Hello and good day, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Magic the First Pioneers podcast. This podcast is all about the Pioneer format, and we keep our listeners up to date with what is new, interesting, and powerful in the world of Pioneer. I'm one of your hosts, Kevin Finkel, joined here by my co-host and a special guest. Hey, everybody. This is Ryan, the cardboard samurai out of the Tokyo area of Japan. And today we are kind of switching it up with our guests. You know, we had Claudio on last time, but today we have another uh, guest that we've had on before. So if you mind introducing yourself real quick. Of course, it's Ashok, it's your boy. Uh, we're we're ready to look at some new cards and tell you what's playable. Yes. Yeah, that's the plan. New cards. It's uh, the most exciting time for every Magic player is getting to look at new cards, getting to brew with them. And before we're going to be brewing, first we have to go through all of the cards from Crimson Vow, the latest set in Magic, and let you know what is going to be playable, powerful, interesting, etc. in Pioneer specifically. So we're going to be looking at all of the cards from this set. Uh, you know, we won't be going through each one of them individually, but we'll go through all the ones we think might be mm. important, either to fit into existing decks, to you know, maybe build a new archetype of their own or powerful cards we think might have home in the future. So do you guys want to do like an overall feeling or, you know, overall thoughts on the uh, set before or after? I, li- I like doing it before. How do you guys feel about this set? I'll, I'll go not first. I mean, I'll go first because it sounds it. like you guys have some hot takes. So <laughs> <laughs> now I think there's, it's very heavily tribal. You know, I saw a lot of vampires, a lot of, of uh, spirits and i think you know it's not really going to lend itself too much to any one uh deck i think you know it's like we've seen in the last few sets there's gonna be a lot of support cards for other strategies so could be good for deck building uh could be good for for constructive as far as like metas but uh yeah i'm not super surprised by anything but i still think you know it'll have impact across the board Mm mm-hmm my take on it is I think there's nothing that's very overtly powerful. We don't have any Okos, no Hogax. Mm-hmm. I think I think the set is like a pretty mundane. Another another set that we've had in the past, like you said, that just adds supporting. But I do think that some of the lesser known strategies might come up a little bit. Uh, uh, we'll figure that out when uh, time goes on and when those cards come up. But I do feel like we're going to see a couple of new decks pop up. But mm-hmm. overall, I think the set was a little underwhelming. Kevin. That's about where I am with it too. I'm I'm kind of seeing a lot of cards that you know, would be very interesting if they were just tweaked a little more on the power level. Like I think that there's a lot of cards that would fit into interesting strategies or would be interesting cards, but they were just um, playing them very safe and that they're just not quite powerful enough. As well as some of the you know overarching mechanics, you know things like training, things like the blood tokens. To me, an initial you know initial reaction haven't really gotten a chance to play with these cards much yet. Just don't seem like very powerful ideas. Um, so I don't think that those are going to be adding very much to the format. It's certainly not one of these sets where like every archetype gets one or two good things. Maybe there's a couple of techs that will get some nice new tools, but I think overall it's uh, not going to be a very high impact set. That's where I'm currently expecting. Mm-hmm. So I I do want to say one thing though. It's hundred percent a flavor win, like all the cards, oh, 100%. And the imagery, and even the the like mechanics. It's it's a hundred percent flavor win. I think they should have changed. I, will, I mean, I've been complaining a little bit. I'm kind of like, you know, what what actually happens in the wedding? You know, we, we don't know. <laughs> oh. I, it seems like the good guys win, but like, did they get married? Did somebody die? We, we kind of have no idea. Well, I'm also mad that they showed off um, Olivia's veil was like this giant red thing made out of spirits bound into a veil. 
and it's not on a card, and that's kind of annoying. Yeah, yeah. I think they... that that's a lore fail. That's not a flavor fail. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think they should have like reworded cleave. I feel like the word cleave is not correct. I feel like it's very awkward. <laughs> I. I that is an awkward wording. I feel like it should have been a different name for the mechanic, but like it, cleave is just kicker. It, that's all it is. Oh. Yeah, I think cleave, and I think like the D and D definition, like I'm hitting something and then I'm cleaving and I'm hitting more things. Um, and it's kind of the other way around where the cleave is more limited. Um, I, I think it's a really cool mechanic. I just don't think that they pushed it very hard. No. Like, there's not a lot of cards that are like, you know, strong playables one way or the other. I have a feeling somebody's gonna say they're gonna be paying the cleavage cost, you know, by by the time we get back to construction. Probably. I mean, <laughs> we still got Nissa. Yeah. There we go. All right. So the way we normally do this is we jump into the white cards, we go through Warburg order, and then we go through our multicolored artifacts and lands, which there weren't many of in this set, and then we'll go through a quick top five that we've all listed out. And you can also check on the top fives in our Discord. Uh, Usually these don't change, but maybe I'll change mine during the uh, the conversation here if you guys can convince me on anything being great or bad. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, so let's start it off in white. Um, Guest first. Yeah, go right ahead. Uh, you didn't in white. I think you definitely deleted the first card that I was about to start reading. <laughs> I-, I did delete a card because we've got it in multicolor already. It's oh, a cleave card. It's multicolor right, cleave. Yeah, 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 sure. <laughs> I don't know don't if that was intentional. I, I moved, it. We, we can talk I moved about it up it. there actually for multicolor. Oh, really oh okay. Multi-color. Oh, then we we can talk about it. Sure. Here. Let's yeah, talk sure. about it here then. Uh, so you just want me to read the card off? I assume. Uh, yeah. So so we got lantern flare is the first one. Uh. For one in a white, uh, you get to deal X damage to target creature or planeswalker, and you gain X life or X the number of creatures you control. But it becomes like a life-linking fireball if you pay if you play the cleave cost, which is like X white red. Uh, I personally think this card is like pretty underwhelming, kind of bad. But I'm interested to know your guys' take. Yeah, Kevin, you it's had... one of the coolest applications of cleave. Um, I, I don't know if the power will be there, just because it's hard to get the front side strong enough and you know red white decks don't really go that big where you'd be able to pay like you know if you're paying five mana for this to be a lightning bolt well a lightning helix that's uh that's a lot of mana mm-hmm. i mean for me i don't know it's just i'd rather just have red removal i think this was... card would be a lot more interesting and maybe a lot more playable if it targeted players as well i think that yeah. might have like actually mm-hmm. made cleave like a playable mechanic but card wise for this card but sadly it, it, you just don't have the option to go face with it so that just kind of makes it like not a card to consider whatsoever in the set yeah if, if they could reword it to say you know if you pay the cleave you can target a player yes that would have been really cool yeah like uh like an opposite opposites uh rakados return that would have been sick yeah but yeah. sadly here we are all right uh kevin you want to go next Sure, I'm going to go here with the Faithbound Judge. This is one that I'm really not too sure about, but it seems cool. Probably means it's not going to be playable as if it's cool and we don't find a home for it. It's this 4-4 Defender Flying Vigilance, but after three turns, uh, it loses fo- Defender, basically. like it, it slowly puts counters on it and then eventually loses Defender. So it becomes a 4-4 Flying Vigilance for only three mana. Kind of cool. And it also can disturb back as a, an aura that you put on your opponent, and then after three turns, they lose the game. So... I don't know if either side of that's actually got any kind of home, but I thought it was at least a cool card worth mentioning, because maybe I can find it somewhere to fit a home in this. 
so, I, 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 I'm gonna, I'm gonna be the counter argument. I think this card's like kind of okay in like a control style deck because the card that I kind of compared this to when I was talking to Claudio about it was this was kind of like Plume Veil, uh, which it basically hmm. has the same text, but you just put it a control deck as like a four four blocker that like can efficiently trade with a lot of the cards already in Pioneer. And you eventually get a win con if you need it, which isn't always the case, but it is nice to have a variety of win cons in control. Uh, I do I do believe this is definitely a sideboard card. I don't think this breaks anything, but I think it's an option for control decks. So when it goes into the graveyard, it has Disturb. I'm not quite sure yes. on that. It go- so so, like- yeah, so you can cast it from the graveyard for 7 yeah. mana as an aura curse. So like if I mill this into my yard... Yep, mm-hmm. and then I can I can either bring like for example if I had a reanimate effect I could bring back the faithbound judge or you know I could pay the disturb to bring it back. Yeah, you can yeah you can pay the disturb. I I was looking I can't find any way that you could bring the backside of this into play without paying the. Yeah, you for. have to be paying it, it. It doesn't work like bring to light Tybalt, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you need something that targets it in the graveyard. And lets you cast it, which well, usually, it, usually, if something's going to reanimate a creature from the graveyard, I, it just brings it back. I do know that there were some cards. I want to. I don't know if it was from this set or I think it was from Midnight Hunt that said. Uh, I think it was a spirit that said your cards in your graveyard called cost one less to cast. So that's the three three spirit the, or the two two spirit lord. The Patrician Geist, right? Yes, Patrician Geist. Yeah. So hey, there we go. Spirits. Spirit spirits, tribal. Uh, Tribal there, there's a six mana combo. demon that lets you uh, pay life instead of mana for spells you're casting from the graveyard. Okay, there we go. <laughs> That's a little hefty. That, you know, seven pretty janky. Seven life to get your opponent three turn clock. It's really funny. <laughs> yep. All right. All right, my turn. My turn. Uh, I'm gonna go with the sure. slam dunk here, and that's Thalia, Guardian of Thraven. Awesome reprint. All right. Two one first strike. Remember that doesn't know. Uh, and also, any non-creature spell costs one more to cast. So this can hurt you if you're playing any non-creature spells, but uh, I'm guessing you're just going to be playing aggro if you're going to be playing her. She slots really well into a Noda. Um, I mean, we've have, we have green-white aggro as well. She's going to do a great job of slowing down decks like Phoenix or Control, etc. You ready for the hot take? Yeah, so I think... Go for it. Yeah, go, no, go, no, what's no, your hot take? Go for it. So, I think Thalia might be one of the best cards we'll see in the set, and I don't think it's in any of the shells you mentioned. If you remember one of your previous guests, Mr. Connorman, he built a black-white uh-huh. humans <laughs> deck. Yes. And uh, be able to be, being able to play Kitesail Freebooter alongside Thalia seems very powerful with the recursive threats. I feel like that's mm-hmm. going to probably be the best shell for Thalia, because we also have Thalia's Lieutenant in the format, which is also a modern humans card. Um It'll 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 make it a lot more powerful. I don't think it's going to see playing Winota purely because it is a two mana human. You and it'll make your uh, Essica's chariots uh, a lot more expensive. Which the most powerful mm. thing to be doing in Winota is Essica's chariot into Winota. So I, I I do think it'll see play in the uh, low to the ground aggro decks, and mm. you can play it with Luris, which makes it even more powerful. Yes. yes. Yeah, so I was going to say that this is a card that we know is going to see play 100%, and the question is going to be how impactful it's going to be. Like, is it, uh, you know, initial, uh, have you felt like it's good into Phoenix, or do you feel like it's going to change the Phoenix matchup that much? Like, I, I think it'll be okay. I don't know if it's game-changing against Phoenix, though. You know, they can still just kill it with any one removal spell. 
So unless if they're trying to like fire off three spells to flip a thing in the ice, um, I feel like they've got the tools to work around Thalia. Like, I think it'll be good. I just don't think it's going to like you know wipe Phoenix off mm-hmm, the map mm-hmm. or fully no, change no, no, any no. matchups. Like, I don't think any bad matchups are going to become great because they've got Thalia as an option. But I think it's going to make uh, a lot of decks respect, you know, the the Thalia yeah. uh, effects a lot more. Like, they're not going to be able to just go off. In regards to the... Yeah, I, I'm interested in humans. Yeah, in regards yeah. to the Thalia, like, attacks against the Phoenix, yes, mm-hmm. uh, it, of course, a removal spell can do it, but in that deck I sp- uh, talked about earlier, the Black-White Humans deck, you do have access to Kite Self Rebooter to try to clear the way for Thalia to make it slow down. Because all you really need in a low-to-the-ground aggro deck is some sort of disruption to be able to make Phoenix have to pay their mana each turn. Because the mm-hmm. way that Phoenix dies a lot of the time is they're too busy casting spells and can't cast the Phoenix. So you kind of just have to play with this low-to-the-ground aggro disruption plan. And Thalia and Kite Self Rebooter both help that out. So uh, I w- it might be a Phoenix killer, but I don't think it'll like eliminate it. But I think it'll be a good matchup. I think also this is going to have a really big impact against Burn. You know, it's it's a must kill for burn because they're only playing like what, eighteen lands, twenty lands. They have like very few lands that they can. Sorry, very few, not a lot of mana they can spend to uh, be able to cast. You know, like two mana. I don't know what what is it. Uh, that new one. Play with, with fire. The demon on front. What is it? Play with fire. Play with fire. Is that the new one? I, I assume know. that's what you're talking about. Yeah. The new yeah, well, shock. I mean, yeah, the new one. Yeah, the new shock with scry. Yeah. yeah, so stuff like that. Yeah, they're 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 not gonna be able to pay all that extra mana. So I think it could be really good against that type of deck as well. Mm-hmm. Well, they're only playing eighteen to twenty lands, but they're also playing eighteen to twenty shock effects. So like, it, she, she'll still die very quickly. Yeah. against Burn. She also keeps a lot. Of, uh, she keeps a uh, half the creatures in check. That being Eidolon, Pyromancer, and Gate Two Lava Runner does not keep mm-hmm. the prowess creatures mm-hmm. in check, but it it, do, it will increase your burn matchup uh, yeah. astoundingly. All right, I think we're back to uh, back to me. Uh, yeah, we're yeah, picking, we're should... picking our boy, welcoming yeah. vampire. We're gonna, we should have let off with this. This go. is the one to lead off with. We were welcoming, <laughs> uh, but it's for two and a white. We get a two three flyer vampire that says whenever one or more creatures with power two or uh, less enter the battlefield under your control, you draw a card. But this only triggers once your turn. Uh, originally, I thought this card was gonna be so bad. I did like I was comparing it to Mentor the Meek, and I was like, this card just isn't good. But after talking around with some of my other friends, uh, I think this card's a lot better. Uh, being able to Coco into this to draw a card to make your Coco cycle, and then eventually just creating mm-hmm. value that way seems kind of insane. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, you'll Coco into this, and then you can play a creature on your next turn and draw another card there. Like you're already up two cards from it. Yeah, I just I don't like the only once each turn trigger, but I guess you know any in kind of incremental card advantage for white is good. Like we we've seen the Bant Company deck, uh, the the mid range or like even the Celestia Angels deck kind of have like that little mm. bit of value. So those those white disrupting creatures kind of have value, and while welcoming value or welcoming vampire welcomes value into the format with that deck. Mm-hmm. So the like the way that deck lost a lot of the time is it just sat there with its with with a with an empty hand, not really doing anything because you were top decking uh, two threes while your opponent was trying to kill you. So any any way to be able to continuously apply more pressure is something you need to look at. Something that says draw a card is something that always needs to take be like a lot like take a good look at. So mm-hmm. I think welcoming vampire might actually be pretty impactful in the format. Hey, so so speaking of collective company, since you brought it up, I did have one more question about Thalia. Do you play any historic right now, Ashia? No, I do not. 
Oh, okay. Well, you know, I don't either, and I've heard that. You know, there are a lot of decks over there. They've got Thalia, they've got Collect Company, and those seem a little bit incongruous. Like, I'm not sure how I feel about playing Thalia in a Coco Humans deck, mm-hmm. and I'm wondering if you've got any experience running those two cards together. I'll put like, it. Is that something you should avoid? I'll put it in perspective. Uh, you're still assuming you hit perfect off your Collect Company, and you're paying the five mana for it. You're still putting six CMC into play. So you're only getting, like, one free mana value in cards, but you're also just turning one card into two. Like, obviously it's a nombo, but it's not insane enough to where you don't run either in the deck. I I think they could be still played in the same deck pretty easily. Okay, okay, that's something I'll have to test. And that sounds like some good good insight on that. Alright. Kevin, you want to go next? Yeah, I'll go ahead with uh, another one here. Let me see what I've got that I still like here. So Voice of the Blessed is one I'm actually a little bit excited about. This is the latest uh, Ajani's Pride Mate, and we've been seeing more of these, and I feel like we've been seeing some decent enablers, so maybe this one will get there. It's a 2-2 Spirit Cleric for double white, which is actually maybe an upside. Whenever you gain life, you put a plus one, plus one counter on it, Mm. and if it has four more counters, you get a Flying and Vigilance, Mm. and if it has ten or more, it gets Indestructible. So it not only is it a pride mate, but it's a pride mate that gets some way to you know block better, some way to get around creatures, and eventually becomes indestructible once you've soaked all you know once you've sunk all this effort into it, it pays yourself off. So that's kind of nice. I feel like this is one of the best of these effects we've seen. So this is similar to that one mana. Was it Sarah Ascendant or something yep. like that? Was yeah, it one it one life be... link. If you have six counters, you it gets flying plus five plus five. Uh, right. It doesn't get counters. It, it just if a if you when, if you have thirty or more life, it just be, gets plus five plus five. I see, I see. But uh, I will say this: it's too bad that uh, Heliod combo isn't a thing anymore. Mm-hmm. Because it would slot very well into that. Funny how you mentioned that. Uh, I do feel like the Heliod style of deck, where like you were running your cards, like your um, uh, what is that card? A uh, Conclave Mentor. And you can still mm-hmm. run Heliod and Daxos. Like, this deck might have legs, but nothing like this has ever existed in the format ever. So mm-hmm. it, it's really hard to predict, but I, I, I'm i leaning towards now. I, I I don't think this card will end up being a lot uh, as impactful as uh, other cards in this format. Um, what about the, the Cleric deck that, you know, what was it? The uh, 2-4 Angel, I believe, that uh, whenever another Cleric or Angel comes into play... You get to uh, gain power equal to its life. Righteous it Valkyrie. Angel. So I, that angel, yeah, uh, Righteous Valkyrie. What is it? Righteous Valkyrie. Yeah, Righteous, yeah, something. righteous Valkyrie, I think. You know, that one's more about gaining big chunks of life at once, and this is more about gaining small life a bunch mm-hmm. of times, I think. Uh, I, you know, I, maybe they could fit together through somehow something that makes clerics pay mm-hmm. off. Uh, but I don't think that these two specifically make that work. Yeah, okay. it's it's rough. Like the idea of Conclave Mentor is to try to ramp as fast as you can into the the flying vigilance instructable. But again, really slow. Probably not going to work out. But it, the idea is there. It's probably something you can mm-hmm. like three two a league with and have fun. But I, I don't mm-hmm. think it's something that's going to be end up being that powerful. Okay. Uh. So is it my turn next? Was that yours, Kevin? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You're, it's your turn, right? right I'm bringing the jank. Um, Hallowed haunting. It's uh, two oh, no. and sorry, two colorless and two white. It's an enchantment. It says as long as you control seven or more enchantments creatures, you control have flying and vigilance. And whenever you cast an enchantment spell, create a white spirit creature token with 
this creature's power and toughness are equal to the number of spirits you control. So I know you're probably thinking, no, not another Starfield of Nyx deck. And I'm not actually going to talk about Starfield of Nyx this time. I think this might be good in the Enig Enigmatic Fires deck. You know, with uh, all the enchantments you're playing, it's like another type of effect. They have the Pegasus in there right now, the 3-4. That makes a 2-2 Pegasus. Uh, you know, the 3-4 Lifelink one. Sometimes it's Omnath. Or sometimes it's Omnath. But this is just another option. You know, instead of, you know, playing the Pegasus or with the Pegasus, you know, for example, you could play this. And then, you know, it gives you a benefit to keep your... Um, how can I say your enchantments in play? You know, it's, if you can't, you know, uh, I don't know, get good creatures or something, or your creatures are gonna die or something if you play them. You, I, I, I think it's possible to see play in uh, that type of deck. But I know you guys are probably gonna say no. No, I'm gonna say no. Okay. <laughs> what about no, Starfield? Flat Nicks? no is fine. No. No. no? Okay. As someone that actually just played the Fires deck that you're mentioning with Incarnatic Incarnation, what? the issue with that deck is you're trying to tutor out hate pieces that are mm -hmm. more valuable. You're trying to get single target creatures that are good and then eventually grind out value that way. You're not trying to cast a bunch of enchantments every turn. Like, you, okay. when you draw your two-mana enchantment, you're just immediately potting it away to go grab moon-based cleric to... Yeah, I think it's rare that you're value. you're more than three or four enchantments in play. I also think that tempo's really important to that mm. deck. You kind of want to get a little bit ahead, and then you just crush the game, uh, and I don't think this, this adds to that game plan at all. So that just be a, a road bump for you. What about Doom Foretold decks? I have not heard that card in forever. Uh, I, maybe? So the... You know, you the play. closest thing would be like the black white decks running the uh, the flashback card from the last set. You know, I saw you know, Claudio was calling them sewer yeah. with like Thalia's lancers, but just like black white Yorian decks. Um, even that, I don't think so. Okay, I, I just don't really. see I think it. the answer is sadly not purely just because this produces tokens. It's a nonbo with Doom foretold a lot of the time. So true. Okay, just throwing the jank out there. I mean, Jenks always appreciated. You're going to make some Timmy <laughs> with his bright eyed going, oh, wow, you gave me the best his idea. Eyes. And then maybe maybe you created the best deck in the format. Who knows? But... There we go. His eyes are glistening right now as he listens. He, sorry, he or she. They're there. We're going to pass it back to you, <laughs> Ashiok. Yeah, back can, to you, Ashiok. See if I can figure out an interesting one. Uh, I, I want to talk about the, the other double sided card, you know, get my voice out there a little bit more. Uh, I don't know how to say her name, but it's Dawn Heart Mar Martyr. Uh, one for, yeah i have no idea i'm not even gonna try it's really okay um one white white for a legendary creature that's a spirit warlock that has flying lifelink protection from vampires and its power and toughness is equal to the number of spirits uh sorry the number of permits you control that are spirits or enchantments and then has disturbed for five that mm. basically gives its exact text to a different creature as an aura i mean it's not gonna fit into a traditional spirit stack where do you see this being oh, played though i i think it is just a sometimes i think in the ignatic fires deck this is just something you can play against burn to try to lock up the game obviously it also works out against vampires just funnily enough but mm -hmm. it, like legit legitimately <laughs> yeah. wise like you are able to like when i was playing the enchantments deck on average i had three enchantments out there so this being a four four like uh guy that just kind of attacks and like it, the disturb cost is pretty relevant because getting to five man in the deck is like pretty it's pretty easy like mm -hmm. you have a bunch of five jobs in your deck anyway so just having a four four flying mm -hmm. lifelink is just kind of nuts 
Like that's pretty good against burn. Like they 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 have such a hard time killing it outside of Chain of the Rocks. They they really have to two for one themselves. So you're pretty happy about it because your card also just can be cast from the graveyard. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You know, there's probably some also advantages. You could bring this back as an aura and then sack it to your fires, and you know it would then find a four drop if you've got one. Um, yeah, I don't hate this there. I think that you know four, you three or four three three or four four life linker probably seems great. Uh, I do also like that. If you play the aura side of it, you could do something like Yorian Blinket and then bring it back as the front side. Uh, that's something I'm going to keep an eye out for some of these creatures. wouldn't work because of the bottom line of text saying yeah, if it would be put I into a... Uh, uh, sorry. Uh, if it would be put into... Oh, actually, That's wait. only if it would be put into Graveyard. Oh, yeah, no, you're 100% yeah, so right. No, you're right. If it would right, be put into right. Graveyard, so you'd put it into Exile and oh, come okay. back as Katilda again. Yeah, you're yeah, right. So- I'm wrong. Yeah, earlier when I was ta- when we were talking about the uh, Sinner's Judgment, I thought, hey, we could bring this back from the graveyard, but no, we can't do that, because as soon as it goes in the graveyard, it would mm-hmm. be exiled. Yeah, and it would be back on the front's face. Um, I will say with Katilda, I could almost see it in the traditional Spirits deck, just because, you know, if you've got one of them and it's a lifelinker, that's not bad. Like, you know, it does have flying, so it fits in with the current flying deck. It, I could see this showing up as a one-of in blue-white mm-hmm. or Bant spirits just because it's a decent sized creature that randomly has lifelink and maybe can give you protection from vampires and burn and burn yeah yeah that's about it i don't think this card's like too impactful where it'll be like play everywhere but like it's one of those cards that you Mm kind of consider as like a sideboard option or a silver bullet in fires yeah and and on that kind of note of some you know just here and there kind of cards i did want to mention too that i don't think are great like need to go too deep into but just are like hey you know maybe this is an upgrade on what we've got i like sanctify it's just like a two mana sorcery destroying an artifact or enchantment gain three life um you know that i feel like is just slightly better than the current disenchants we have i don't hate that it's not an instant because gain three life's important where it matters you know for any deck that's playing a card specifically to get rid of um, oh, what is the card in uh, the red decks that makes you so you can't gain life? The Rolling, um, vortex. Rolling Vortex. Yeah, Rolling Vortex. If you're playing a card right now to get rid of Rolling Vortex, I feel like this is just an upgrade. Um, and the other one I felt like is by invitation only. I don't know if you guys had anything on that card, but it's kind of a... It's just another sweeper, but it's sacrifice instead of destroy. So that helps against some decks right now. Mm. The only comment I had is towards Sanctify. Uh, I feel like it's just going to be outclassed. It's, it's just already outclassed by Light of Hope. So... Like, Light of Hope is just marginally better, being one mana and a little bit more well, versatile. Yeah, I mean, I guess Light of Hope, you don't gain the life, though. So you, you're either destroying an artifact enchantment or gaining life, whereas this is, you get both for one more mana. I don't hate that. I think that there's a, there, there is reason to maybe play Sanctify. Uh, yes, but you also got to realize the fact of, like, yes, they could have that, but there are a lot of games where they just don't end up drawing it, sadly, and that at least has gives you the versatility to gain the four life. So it, it, it's like a double. I like I, you are right that there is a, a more there, there like it is more a situational thing between our arguments. Like both mm-hmm. are we're both right, but it, situationally, like Light of Hope does have a little bit more options, but also being sorcery speed is kind of rough. Mm. I have one more card I want to talk to, talk about, and then you guys can do the rest if you have any more. Do you mind if I go real quick? Go for it. Sure, go ahead. So I kind of like Hopeful Initiate. It's a 1-2 for one white mana, and it has training. So whenever a creature attacks, it has a greater power. It gets plus one, plus one counter on it. <clears throat> Sorry. <coughs> I should have drank something before talking. Um, <laughs> I like this in, like, green-white scales, which you know we've kind of seen a lot more cards being made for that recently. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to be making a lot of stuff in those scales decks, 
And this is not just removing counters from it, but any of the creatures you own. You pay three mana, remove two plus one plus one counters, destroy target artifact or enchantment. I really like that, like in the sideboard, maybe. You know, and when you need to have that artifact and enchantment hate, but you don't want to, like, you know, drop your, uh, how can I say, your your threats, you know, from the uh, from the scales deck. So I think this could see some play. But I, I don't know. Not, do I think? don't think the scales deck's that playable. If the scales deck is playable, you're going to end up playing cards like Voice of the Blast. But sadly, hopefully in this shit, I don't think ever makes the cut. Hmm. Not even yeah, the side. Yeah, I'm pretty low on it. Okay. Maybe sideboard, but even then, I'm kind of just like, when are you, what are you doing with this? Like, it's so hard to actually get counters off of training on something like this that I don't, I don't see that, you know, sticking around to get you the value. I would want to play a guaranteed destroy an artifact or enchantment when I need that effect. Okay. All right. Well, I'm done with white. If you guys have anything else you want to talk about, go ahead. I'm pretty done with white. I could move on. All right. Yeah, I could definitely move on to blue. Blue. I think it's back to you, Ashia. Ooh, I get the first on pick on blue. Exciting. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to talk about one of the cards I put up there that I don't think is going to be too, too insane, but I think it'll be pretty good. Uh, that being Cobbled Lancer. Uh, one mana, Ooh. three, three, <laughs> zombie horse. Uh, as an additional cost to cast it, you got to exile a creature card from your graveyard, but you can pay four mana, exile it from your bin, and draw a card. The reason I put this on the list is that Dredgeless Dredge has been a deck that's been existing in like the tier four strategies for a while now. Like, I'll play against it once every while in a league. And I think there is something to think about when you have turn one Stitcher Supply or turn two Cobble Lancer. And even just mm -hmm. hitting this off of, like, a Grizzly Salvage, you at least get to draw a card, like, for four mana, which is, like, fine. I don't think the deck's, like, that good or that playable as of right now. But I do think this is an upgrade to that deck. Ugh. I mean, I like that deck. I just, you know, that deck doesn't really play much blue. You know, I often prefer to think of it as a green-black deck that you know, maybe has blue to be able to cast your prized amalgams from hand, but you'd prefer not to. And I don't know how you would get away with a turn one blue. Well, I guess you can't turn one blue it anyways, but I'm probably low on this card. I just think that, you know, the payoff of being a 3-3, three, three, it's rare that, you know, turn three, turn four, that's even good enough in this format. I do think it's something to still look at, though. I, I, like, it, it, it's something that okay, could yeah. show up. I put it on this list not thinking it was going to be like the most game-breaking card, but I do think it's something that's like interesting to think about. Cause mm. Yeah, sorry. I'm negative to everybody. This wasn't me saying as, you're wrong no, with as, this as, I, I'm just... Uh... <laughs> no, you're good. Yeah. As it was also pointed out by a friend who was making a joke, you can turn one Stone Coil Serpent for zero, then cast the Cobbled Lancer, and boom, you have a one mana 3-3. Three, three. Then it's a horse, too. Yeah. You get to make cool noises. Got good art. Wait, isn't there a horse lord in the format? Uh, I swear Crested Sunmare. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Boom. There we go. We got a deck. Huh. Our blue white graveyard lifelink deck or whatever. There we go. Uh, I don't know. It's something. It's a, it's a pile. But yeah, I, I didn't expect too much of a conversation from this card, but I do think it's like something interesting for that strategy because there's that, there's that one person playing it in leagues that might be like ooing and aahing over this. All right. Uh, I'm going to jump in with one that I think I could be excited about. I haven't found a home yet, but I'm excited, is the Overcharged Amalgam. Uh, this is 2 and 2 blue for a 3-3 three, three flying flash zombie horror. It has exploit, so when it enters the battlefield, you can sacrifice a creature you control, and if you do, you counter a spell-activated ability or triggered ability, and it can sacrifice itself. So, you know, worst-case scenario, it's a 4-mana disallow, um, or you can sacrifice another creature, and then you've got a 3-3 three, three flying, and you disallowed something. So... It would have to be 
I don't know what deck this fits in, but I think that there is a lot of raw power here. I'm expecting to see play in standard, and I don't know where it'll fit with Pioneer. Hmm. I'm mm. not overly high on it, purely just because you can't Coco into this. If you could have Coco into this, maybe it's something to look at. But, eh? I, I, I don't know. Like, I don't see an existing strategy. I think cards with exploit, you have to look at with a very, very fine eye, because... Well, you're mm -hmm. losing. You're you're trading two resources to try to make a card better, and it just most of the time just really isn't worth it. The card needs to be insanely. Yeah, statted. I keep trying to think like, you know, we've got Thalia, and then we've got Spell Queller and Overcharge Amalgam, which are counter spells that aren't taxed by Thalia. But like, I don't know. I don't know where that's gonna go. Yeah, I'm not sure about. It. I mean, I don't know about blue in general, so. <laughs> that's true yeah we, we can just skip ryan here he, i mean i i did add like three <laughs> cards though yeah oh no i'm the blue mage here i guess so i gotta help out but uh, if you don't mind i'm gonna do two at two at once just to get them out of the way sure go ahead ryan. um i i chose the two spirits we have cemetery illuminator and dream shackle guys like i was saying earlier i kind of think like we kind of already have like a really good um spirit stack in the format but we you know, we have Bants, we also have Mono Blue now, and maybe some of these could fit into, you know, one or the other. Maybe they could fit in the sideboard. I, I like Dream Shackle guys. The it's a three one flyer for like I said, one and two blue. And at the beginning of combat, you can choose to either tap a creature or uh target creature doesn't untap during its controller's next untap phase. So already we have like the what the is it the Ramshackle guys? I think you tap two uh, spirits to, to tap a creature. Yeah. I mean, I think this is a distinct upgrade over that if you're going to be playing that card. And then also keeping another creature tapped could maybe even help you know, I don't know, in the, in the mirror or something else. And then the other card, Cemetery Illuminator is also 1 and 2 blue. It's a 2-3 flyer and when it enters the battlefield or attacks you get to exile a card. So it gives you some graveyard hate main board with, for spirits which is really nice. And then uh, it says you can look at the top of your uh, top of your library at any time, and once a turn, you can cast a spell that shares a type with the card exiled. So you can keep playing your spirits, or you can play in an instant or something like that. So I like both of these cards a lot. What do you guys think? Uh, I think I'm more excited for Cemetery Illuminator rather than Dream Shacklegeist. I think the fact that Shacklegeist is two mana and doesn't die to the one or to anything that's uh uh anything with one toughness in spirits is really rough if you're paying three mana for it because you just you, the most common thing that'll happen is a board wipe and you're trying to get out of board wipe range with your with your lords and mm -hmm. you usually need about four toughness for that or three and dream shackle geist is just a really weak that wise but however cemetery illuminator i think that card is like gonna be prime for both spirits in the bank company deck I think being able to cast the top card of your library to uh, cast more spirits, uh, especially if you have rattle chains in play, that makes this card insane. Because then you just dump the top card of your li or the dump your library into play, only drawing lands to dump more of your library into play. Like I, I mean, it could, it could. I was gonna say it also makes a cocoa cheaper too, right? If you put uh, instance into the graveyard or into exile, it makes it cheaper. I think you're thinking of a different card. 
No? Does it make it cheaper? Oh, it does make it cheaper. Okay, sorry, sorry. I was thinking of the other one. But you could cast it from the top. Yeah, you can cast it. So I think think Cemetery Illuminator... So I'm going to agree with Dream Shacklegeist. I don't think that makes the cut at all. Um, Cemetery Illuminator, I do think, is an interesting one. I wasn't crazy on it. I do keep seeing things about it that make it, you know, have some advantage. So... For the most part, it's kind of just a 2-3 flyer that can make you play cards from the top of your deck. So, like, it's a Flying Realm Walker would be, like, the base of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think there's some upside there. So, for one, that little bit of graveyard, you know, it's on Enter the Battlefield or on Attack. That can be pretty nice. Like, that does actually give you a little bit of way to interact with your opponent's graveyard, which Spirits rather does lack right now. Um, something else important to note is that you do get to look at the top of your library before you choose what card you're going to exile. So if you see an instant on top, you could choose an instant rather than choosing creature, which might be what you'd normally always pick. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also, as you already mentioned, it says once each turn, but that does include your opponent's turn. Mm-hmm. So if you've got a lot of flash creatures and spirits, you'd be able to play them uh, over time, as well as the fact that, you know, because it gets one every time it enters or attacks, you can grab a creature, you can grab an instant, you can grab a sorcery, and eventually be able to cast any of your spells from the top of your library. You could still run into cases, though, where it's a 2-3 and you've got a land on top and it's not really doing anything. Or if there's a Rest in Peace or something in play, then it's also not doing anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Rest in Peace kills a lot of these, uh, these uh, this mythic cycle, but sadly... Uh, if you're bored doing rest in peace against spirits, I think you got a bigger problem. Yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah, maybe you're the one boarding in rest in peace. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I see this as more so like a sideboard card for when you need more value because some the, some, the spirits, uh, the the two pitfalls of the spirits deck is either a more value or b got to deal with board wipes. Usually, it does a pretty good job of dealing with board wipes, but this this is able to like if you're playing against control or not control um. If you're playing against like Niv, you need a lot more Karja to be able to disrupt them. So being able to uh, draw more cards to be able to play to the board more uh, allows you to also play around board wipes better, if that makes sense. Because your cards that play around board wipes are your Mausoleum Wanderers, your Spell Quellers, your um, Selfless Spirits. So I, I do think this card is like kind of nutty for that. Mm-hmm. All right, that's my... All right, uh, we can keep going with Blue. Yeah, I think it's my turn. Uh, I'm going to jump in with Geislight Snare as long as we're on the topic of Spirits. This one's three mana. It's one less to cast if you control a Spirit and one less to cast if you control an Enchantment. And it's Monoleak. It's counter-target spell and this controller pays three. So if you've got a Spirit or Enchantment, it's Monoleak. If you've got both, it's one mana for a Monoleak. So it's the you know the good part of Mystic Dispute. Uh, and I think this card card could see play. Like I like Mono Blue Spirits, and I think it just got some new tools recently. Um, I could see this seeing play there, especially with all of the curiosity effects, um, some of the other things that they might be playing with the new enchantment spirits. Yeah, I just see uh, I just see this having a hard time competing with Lofty Denial. That's just my issue with it. Yeah, that, that's definitely a fair point. Is that that's also two mana in that deck, and it's four. It's counter. For it's four. unless they pay four. Yeah. Like it's at least consistent. Like you're, you're you're more likely to have a flyer in play than an enchantment and a spirit. So you just kind of got to look at it that way. Like we can assume that you have a flyer in play or a spirit in play, and if we look at it, one just makes you pay one more. So I just have a hard time seeing guys like Schneer see play outside of maybe the Model Blue Spirits deck. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, back to you, Ashley. Yeah. Sick. I'm gonna pick Thirst for Discovery. I think this card's pretty cool. Uh, it's two All and a right. blue. Uh, for an instant, you draw three cards, but then you discard two cards, unless you discard a basic land. Uh, the Thirst Cycle has been continuing for a while now. 
Uh, we get a, it's a strict upgrade to Compulsive Research, which is a card that it's not Pioneer legal, but it, you, it's something that I've played with a lot of, a lot because I cube a lot, and mm. I already know the power level of that card. But this card being an instant just makes me think that this card sees, will end up seeing a lot more play due to the prevalence of basic. Well, well in the so let, let's stop you there because it's not a strict upgrade on Compulsive Research because that is discards a land card. This is discards a basic. But the land strict card. upgrade is because it's an instant. That's why it's a strict upgrade. Okay, uh, yeah, different definition of strict. Yeah, well, I, I use strict upgrade more so as a sense of just being, like, obviously very better. Not not, not word for word getting, an uh, like, a text upgrade or something like that, or, like, a power or toughness upgrade. I, I think this is just, like, being able to hold up Absorb or Sinister Sabotage, plus also casting Thirst for Discovery on end step with the prevalence of basics in blue-white. I think this card is just nuts. Hmm. Yeah, I like it too. I mean, I, even though I don't care for blue, and I can respect, you know, that this is a really good, really good card for blue. Yeah. Uh, also, it you can discard two cards, which will you don't overly care about because you're also trying to fill the graveyard for dig through time. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. This card just seems really good for control. Yeah. Control or even other decks that are trying to fill their yard. Yeah, I have to test this out. I need to see how often I'm discarding two cards versus discarding a basic. Um, I do think that if I'm putting a card into control, you know, if I'm replacing something like a mystical deluge, or what is it Memory called? Memory deluge. deluge. Memory deluge. With this, and I'm not getting card advantage off of it, then I don't feel like that was a very good upgrade. So that's where I'd have to test it out. I think it's definitely a card worth testing. I don't know yet if it'll see a lot of play. All right. Uh, back to me, my last one. All right. Uh, I just want to talk about Storm Chaser Drake again. You know, we, we did our our preview. That was our first preview uh, ever, which is really cool. And you know, we've heard a lot of people talking about it online, on the Discord channels and stuff. And it sounds like people are finding it to be pretty good as far as, like, you know, being a value engine in a variety of uh, different decks. So, you know, what's to say that hasn't already been said in our preview, right? Fits with auras, yeah. heroic, you know, mono blue. Yeah. I think it's going to be a very solid card. I, I think it could be playable. I guess it's just my take you guys haven't heard. Everyone else has yeah. heard y'all talk about it. Exactly. I was going to say, what, why don't you give us your take because you've heard us. I think the card is okay. I don't think it's too, too insane. I think it's I think it's a pretty perfect medium card. I think it's mm. your Saram 5 through 8, which could help out the deck a lot. But again, Auras hasn't existed mm -hmm. in the format for a while now, and that was mm -hmm. due to the prevalence of board clears. And um, I, I think there's a chance maybe that more Saroms will make the deck a lot better, but I, I am a little bit hesitant to say that it, it, it'll mm. bring back Auras to where it once was. Yeah, especially blue-white auras. You know, black-white auras might be the place where we've been seeing auras lately. Um, I will say, like, you know, when I first saw this card, I was like, oh, this is, you know, it's medium power. And then uh, I think as we saw the rest of the set, um, it's kind of actually one of the better cards in the set mm. just because the rest of the set is a little bit lower power than mm -hmm. we expected. It's true. Yeah. Um, can I bring up this flip card? Because I don't know if this is any good, but it's a very interesting card to me. And so this is Jacob Hauken Inspector, and it's it's the wannabe Jace. It's a two-mana, zero-two human advisor instead of wizard. And you draw a card and exile a card from your hand face down. You can look at that at any time, and when you do this ability, you can pay six mana. If you do, you transform him. 
Um, what it transforms to is to new enchantment, and at the beginning of your upkeep, you exile a card from the top of your library, and you can play or cast any of the cards in those exile pile, including from the front side, without paying their mana cost. Um, so basically, you know, front side, you're just looting, essentially. You're not putting stuff in your graveyard, which is important for some decks. And then if you get a chance to, you can pay six, flip it over, and then you can cast any of those spells for free, and you're basically drawing an extra card every turn. Um, which seems like really big payoff. And the question is, like, what would this fit into? I, I, you know, I don't play that much control in the format. You know, I play a little of everything, but I'm kind of thinking, like, if I'm bringing in Rest in Peace, this could be a better Jace in those specific matchups? I, I don't know. Uh, I, think I, mean, it does, I think it's an interesting yeah. card, so I want to hear what you guys think. I think it gets around Rip, right? Yeah, it does. But I think the issue it is does, Jace yeah. already doesn't see play. And I think Jace is just uh, pretty... I, 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 when I was talking to people, I think they all agreed that Jace was just pretty obviously more powerful than this. But, like, all the decks that you want to play Jace in, the cards you want to pitch are your situational cards, or the cards that you intentionally want in the graveyard, like Croxa. So, sadly, I think Jacob, I think the only place that I could think of that this card could see play is Teamer Energy, but that deck has not seen the light <laughs> of day in forever. So I think we're I think we're pretty uh sad that our boy Jacob is just gonna be inspecting forever in the sideboard in the in the binders. Hmm. You know, you do get to choose what you're exiling with it. Maybe is there anything you'd want to intentionally exile and then cast it for free, like you know, ultimatum or something. Yeah, that's where the uh that's where the teamer energy idea comes out, because you could uh, you have a lot of uh dead cards that you can't really cast in that deck, with that being your Ulamogs, your Emrakols your Ugins. So, yeah. Oh, so you're talking energy is in Marvel? Yeah, the Marvel Works deck. The Teamer Energy deck. Okay. Yeah, so you, you can just discard your payoffs to try to draw into something better, but sadly, I, I don't think that deck will see the light of day for a while. I don't think that deck's very good, because on two, you mm. also want to be casting Servant of Conduit, which is your mana ramp. So, it, it, it just conflicts. I think this card's just... It's, it's cool design space, but sadly, I think it's just going to be a commander card. Okay, yeah, that's fine. And that's probably about what I expected, but I just wanted to bring it up because it had some raw power, maybe. Brian, I think. I'm done. Oh, I, I have no other blue oh, okay. cards. I, I, yeah. I, I, I think okay. I have two that I put on here that I still want to talk about. Uh, sure, sounds good. The first one will be really quick because I, I just put it on there because I like it. It's fun. Um, Hullbreaker, Hullbreaker Horror. Uh, it's a 5 for and a blue-blue for a Kraken Horror with Flash. It can't be countered, and whenever you cast a spell, you get to choose one of these. You can return target spell you don't control to its owner's hand, or return target non-line permanent to its owner's hand. Uh, I I have been one to brew Yorion value-based piles in my time. Uh, that's mostly what I do now. Uh, and I think this card is a upgrade to Coma in those decks, because you're, always, you're playing Lotus mm. Cobra, you're putting lands into play, you're you're comboing so you're able to like bring back like an omnath if you want to draw another card um or if you want to like remove your opponent's permanence to try to swing for lethal you can cast more cards that way and also has flash so you can cast it on their end step and then genesis ultimatum on your turn i think that's the only place it'll see play i don't legitimately think this card is that good but am i still gonna play it probably Okay. I, I was low on this card just because it doesn't really protect itself very well. Like, at Como, you can kind of just fire it off and forget about it, because it will protect itself on board anyways. Uh, this one, you kind of need to have additional cards to be able to, you know, bounce their removal spell or bounce it or whatever else. Yeah, I think Oops. the... Uh, 
I think the better control piece hates are are, are Coma and Nezahal, but I mean, this card's cool. I like mm-hmm. it. <laughs> is it just me, or does it seem like the whole cannot be countered thing just isn't really relevant anymore? They just added on there as another keyword to try to give the card value, but it's like you're playing blue already. I think for this kind of card, it's specifically relevant. You know, usually it, they've been mostly picking and choosing where they put it and it's things like important green cards mm-hmm. or like control finishers mm-hmm. i agree uh last one i would maybe inspired idea i'm wondering if this will see any play this is the three mana draw three or you can pay five well so if you if it's a three mana draw three then your maximum hand size reduced by three for the rest of the game or it's a three man or a five mana draw three which so that's the cleave version of it is that you don't lose your hand um, I could see this seeing play just because I don't feel like Lotus Field cares about losing its hand on the turn that it's comboing off. Um, you know, it was also brought up that we do have Reliquary Tower. Like, you could just run that and then never care about this, and this is just a draw three. That's fair. I think in Lotus Field, you already have limited number of slots in your deck, and I don't think this makes the cut yeah. because poor is just infinitely better. And I think even the new Galvatic iteration is just better. So, oh yeah, yeah. I was the one who was uh, pushing that deck as the Galvanic version. Yeah, I think I think that is that idea already is just better than the inspired idea. So sadly, I think this card will not see the day of light. But you never know. Uh, la- all right. Lastly, I assume we're done talking about that one. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, wash away. Uh, it's one mana counter target spell that wasn't cast from its owner's hand, but you can cleave it to just make it say counter spell. Uh, I think that card is actually kind of nice. Uh, we the, the cards that we see that aren't cast from the, its owner's hands are cards like Croxa, cards that off of expressive iteration. Um, that there is a there's a lot, there's a good amount of cards that end up getting cast from the bin. Uh, like um, why can't I think of the card name right now? Uh, I'm just blanking on the card name. It, it's a flashback card. I don't remember. Uh, Memory deluge. Memory deluge from the bin. Like mm, we're starting yeah. to see a lot more of these these cards existing. And with with a certain amount of cards being printed, I think this eventually gets a lot better. Uh, and at worst, it's a cancel, so you're you're kind of okay with that. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's the thing. So it's a cancel with upside. And for me, the reason I wasn't high on this card is because I think about the decks that are currently using cancels with upside, and it's you know absorb or sinister sabotage, and those decks really want the life or they really want the card in their graveyard. Um, so for those decks, I can't really see them wanting to change those out for this. And right now, I don't see any other decks that want to cancel. So that's where I was low on this. No, that's fair. Uh, there's just a chance. One mana counterspells are always something you kind of got to look at because, uh, mm-hmm. like, Mystical Disputes are one mana counterspell that kind of broke the format a little bit. So you kind of just, like, have PSD from, PTSD from that card. So you kind of just got to look at one mana counterspells. <laughs> yeah. So th- this, this is still something to be talking about because it is a one mana counterspell with upside. With better upside than Mystical Dispute, in my opinion, on the hard end. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Uh, I'm ready to move on to Black. What about you? Yes, yes sir. And I actually, right, Brian, why don't you lead us off? Yeah, I was going to do like three at once, just because they kind of okay. all go together here. It's full sun. So Yeah, we spent a lot of time on blue and white, so go for it. Go quick. So we have, uh, I think one of you guys put this up there. Fell Stinger, two and a black, Death Touch, has Exploit. When it exploits a creature, target player draws two cards and loses two life it's a three two uh it's a zombie scorpion which is kind of relevant um i could see this in a blue sorry not blue white uh black white zombie deck and two other cards that go along with this are arc 
So is it Archgul of Thraven? It's a 3-2 for 2 and a black a zombie cleric. And it says whenever Archgul of Thraven or another zombie control dies, look at the top card of your library. If it's a zombie card, you can reveal it and put it to your hand. And if you don't put it, the card into your hand, you may put it into your graveyard. So again, th these kind of go together. You know, if you're in some kind of black-white zombie, um, what was it, rally deck or something like that, a creature dies, and one of your zombies dies, you just keep on putting cards into your graveyard, and you're filling it up more and more for like a massive uh, rally ancestors. And then the other card that I had in there that kind of goes along with this is Headless Rider. So it says whenever another uh, rider, sorry, so whenever a Headless Rider or another non-token zombie you control dies, you create a 2-2 black zombie creature. This is more just for the extra bodies, maybe not as necessary as the other ones. But I think all three of these would be decent cards maybe to try out in the that uh, black-white zombie rally deck. So, Kevin, I think you played with this a little bit before with rally, right? So what do you think? Yeah, so I put up an article about zombies in a lot of different forms, including the zombie rally deck. So I'm glad you threw it right to me. Um, I do think that that's where Felstinger is a very interesting card for me and may end up being one of the stronger cards. You know, I always I already thought that something like a Village Rights would have been good in that deck. And this kind of is a better Village Rights for that deck specifically because you're drawing your two cards and you're also getting a 3-2 body off of it, a 3-2 death touch body. So that's really cool. You know, it can come back with your rally. That's a big upside. As well, it can also target the opponent. So <clears throat> when you are going off for a big rally turn, this can be just two more damage for every copy of this that you've got, as well as sacrificing other creatures if that gives you additional effects. So a lot of power there with Felstinger. I think the Arch Ghoul, so I'm just going to go through all the ones you mentioned. The Arch Ghoul I don't think is good. Um, that, you know, you only get the card if it's a zombie card. It still only goes to your hand, not to play. So I feel like, you know, there are versions of this that draw a card just regardless, and I think that's just going to be better. Well, I mean, it's putting it into um, the graveyard for a rally. That's, that's sort of how I, I would, would rather I would rather draw a card than put a non-creature card into my graveyard 100% of the time. Because if it's a creature card, you're going to your hand because it's a zombie. Yeah, but if it's not, if it even, no matter what, you can just put it into your, your graveyard. So it, sure, so I you guess may. you can just, you know, discard your zombie card, but yeah. I don't feel like that that's upside that you want. Um, Headless Rider, I'm interested in, but I think is a little bit weak. Um, and then maybe I'll just jump in with one last card I think fits in that archetype, is the Undead Butler is very cool. That one's, it's a two-mana one-two, when it enters, you mill three cards, mm -hmm. and when it dies, you can exile it from your graveyard, return a creature card from your graveyard to your hand. Um, so that's really cool because, you know, you're getting back your rally or whatever it is. Uh, so it's only creature cards, yeah. not rally, but you can get back some of your important cards. You can get back a Luris if you've got this in a version that's lower to the ground. Um, so there's a few options there. I think that that's pretty powerful. So you play this with your Stitcher and put a bunch of cards in the graveyard. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm on the train that the, the zombie deck is just going to be really bad. I think there are too many exile effects that are going to just nuke it to the ground like anger of the gods shadows verdict extinction event i mm. i am the the party pooper on this one i think a lot of those cards are bad however i think Felstinger is gonna be pretty good i think that card is pretty is one of the better cards in the set the reason i think it's good is because yeah, we brought up historic earlier but in historic there is a deck that exists it's green black food and at the, I think the dream curve could be turn one, guild the goose, turn two, Felstinger, sack the goose. You just tur turboed out a 3-2 death touch and drew two. Uh, it seems pretty nuts there, but uh, 
I, I, I do think this card is on the, the more lackluster side, but I still do think it's quite powerful. Okay. Uh, who's next? Okay, why don't yeah. we pass it back to Eshek, because we just both talked sure. for Sure, I'm going to go with the big one. I'm going to go with Sorin. Sorin the Mirthless. Uh, it's two black black for a Sorin that starts at four loyalty for its plus one. You look at the top card of your library. You may reveal that card and put it into your hand. If you do, you lose life equal to its mana value. It has a minus two of create a two three black vampire token with flying and lifelink. And it's minus seven is you get to deal 13 damage to any target and you gain 13. Uh, hmm. Design wise, I was a little upset with this card. I feel like if they structured it with uh, along our more so in regards to the style that they did for the OG Garrick, where this would come in at three loyalty, but its creature ability or creating ability would be a minus one instead. I think that would have been a lot more mm. better for it. It would have seen so much more play, and I would have been really excited to play with Soren because I, well, a lot of the Sorens have always not been that great, and this would be a, finally a powerful Soren. But I still do think this card is pretty okay. I think it replaces Liliana Waker the Dead in the Vampire sideboard, but. I, I still do feel like it's pretty lackluster. I, I don't feel like it's that insane. It kind of feels like the old Soren Markov. Didn't he have like a, a minus or like a 10 damage, 10 life ability as well? Uh, I do believe so, yes. Yeah, I think the you know the ult on this is very, very unlikely because I feel like you're always going to be making vampires mm -hmm. if you've got the loyalty to do so. Um, you know, drawing cards is nice, but making vampires, it's hard not to do that minus a lot. So I don't think that kicking up to seven is going to happen that often you know if it is then you're drawing a dozen lands and nothing's going on on the board so maybe that game was kind of a, a nothing burger anyways I, I yeah i agree i'm glad that you're mentioning this guy because i think that people kind of wrote him off and i don't think he's terrible i could see him seeing play like you said that there's a four mana slot in the sideboard of vampires right now where he could fit in hmm um I, don't, I mean, do you mind if I uh, kind of add on to this with two it. other cards? Sure. Is that okay? So I'm like, since we're it. talking about vampires, I thought we let's just cover Bloodvile Purveyor and uh, Henrika Domnathi. So both okay. are so pretty beefy. <laughs> you were, what are our other options at four mana if we don't want Soren or we don't want Liliana? Calatus. Uh, well, no, this is what I'm saying. Oh, is, oh, yes, this, oh we already yeah. have Kalatas okay. in the main deck. You're giving us other <clears throat> options. What yeah. are the other four mana options from this set? Okay, so, yeah, the Blood Vial Purveyor, 5-6 for four mana, two and two black. Flying Trample, oh, That already that's, like, really good. And the only drawback is that whenever your opponent casts a spell, they get a blood token, which they have to tap mana for, they have to discard a card and draw a card, basically. That doesn't seem like that bad of a... Of a uh, uh how can i say uh restriction i guess um and also whenever he attacks it gets plus one plus zero for each blood token defending player controls so you're giving them a i don't know it's not even value right it's not even card advantage so i think this is actually pretty legit it's a big beater it's in the it's in the um in the air um that's one thing that like the uh vampires has been missing you know you had the the 4-4 the four, four guy that draws you cards which is great but i could see this if you need something you know to to go over your opponent's heads and then the other one is henrika domnathi which people have been kind of comparing to rankle it's a 1-3 flyer which is kind of weak and it's two and uh two black to cast and then at the beginning of combat each player either sacrifices a creature 
you get to draw a card and you lose one life. So it's not both players this time, which is really good. And you don't have to damage either, which is great, because Rankle, you have to damage them in order to get these effects. And the other possibility is you transform her. And this is the beginning of combat. So, yeah, you, you don't have the haste, but you untap it through the next, or sorry, you, uh, you know, play with her the next turn. Um, you can turn her into a 3-4 Flying Death Touch Lifelinker that you can pay 3 mana to uh, to give all of your Flying Death Touch and Lifelinkers plus 1 plus 0 to the end of turn. So that's, that seems like a really cool build-around card, but also a decent card maybe as like a 2-of in uh, Vampires. So what do you guys think? You want to take this first, Asha? Sure. Uh, I think the Bloodveil Purveyor is interesting. I feel like that might be the card that goes into the format of slot of the main deck. Uh, blood tokens aren't overly that powerful, in my opinion. However, giving your opponent more chances to try to draw more spells at removing your card is pretty bad. Uh, but again, it's not card advantage. It's card filtration, which is mm. fine, I would say. I think this card is the most interesting one. It's the one that... I could see being the Hogak, where everyone overlooks it because they're like, ah, it's negative. You can't cast it without paying mana. You need to tap creatures. Mm -hmm. But it's it's really difficult to try to uh, accurately evaluate this card. I, However, I was the one that ended up putting Henrico on this list. And the reason I did that mm -hmm. is cards with a lot of options and versatility are cards that often get overlooked when spoiler season starts. And mm -hmm. I think the option that you can immediately transform it gives it a little bit more versatility, which makes it interesting. Also, mm -hmm. just being uh, each player sacrifices a creature or card advantage, so it at least replaces itself, seems like pretty fine. I don't think it's game-breaking or we, we found the new busted card, but I, I do think it's something to take a look at. I mean, you, you, yeah, you're you Aetherborn, uh, whatever they call it, I forgot, Aetherborn, gifted Aetherborns are all 2-3 Death Touchers, so she would be able to give plus one plus zero to each of those guys and then if you have the um what's the three mana two three death touch flying lifelink what's Vamp oh vampire oh wait that's vampire nighthawk yeah, yeah. vampire one nighthawk that has these x no we vampire, vampire nighthawk we've got the we've got the star three is vampire nighthawk, oh, nighthawk not no, legal it's not it's not uh your vampire scavenger i think is the card from okay Zeneca rising or night vale scavenger, scavenger or something like that. but it's flying so you got a, a two drop, you got a three drop into this four drop. It seems Nighthawk decent. Nighthawk Scavenger. Yeah, it's Nighthawk Scavenger. That's what it was. And that'd be a, a nice alternate take on uh, vampires. Yeah. So let me let me touch on both of these. I think I think right now it's kind of just like the identity of vampires is what we kind of have to think about. Like you were talking about replacing the the four four that draws cards and. I feel like that's so fundamental to what the deck is yeah. right now in that it is a very much go that you know it's a very mid-range deck it does go very long it's not trying to play out super aggressive creatures it's trying to grind out and win the long game um with a lot of value from its lands from its planeswalkers etc so i feel like a five six flampler maybe not strong enough there just because i don't know if you want to go quite that aggro i'm interested in this card i might even try this maybe like maybe this replaces wrinkle and we try a mono black that isn't vampires but um something like that like i i could see a world where this sees play you know it's kind of funny maybe our opinion of blood is so low that the the one card with blood as a drawback is the only blood card we're talking about um but yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. I think this is a card worth testing, at least. And I do also think Henrika could be worth testing. Mm. Um, in the Vampire's deck, you know, we were just saying, 
you draw a card and you lose a life, so it replaces itself. That's probably the one that most interests me here. Mm -hmm. And then the first turn you're attacking is when you can transform into the 3-4. So you do kind of get the best of both worlds there. The Every player sacrifices a creature. Um, maybe a little tougher for that deck, but you could certainly find times where it's like, hey, I can just turn on my Mutavault and kill their one Niv-Mizzet mm -hmm. blocker, and that'll open up the world for there me. There we go. So I, I could see it. I could see her in the current Vampires being worth trying, the mono-black version. And uh, the other one we'll try out somewhere because it's a cool card. All right, who's next? Um, I think I'm supposed yeah. to go again here. So I'm going to just mention Dreadfugue. I think it's interesting, but I just... my I'm guessing it's not going to see play, but maybe it will just as a couple card. It's the one mana. You look at an opponent's hand, choose a non-land card with two or less mana value, and they discard it. Or you can pay three, and then you get the any card so it's not limited to mana value two or less um if, if this sees play i feel like this would be a sideboard card that you could bring in against burn decks you know anything mm -hmm. that's running Luris really mm -hmm. so like if you're the arcanist deck and you could bring this in and not be taking damage off of your thought seas having additional yep. of that effect yep the only part that's awkward there is i did feel like i mean i guess you can cleave it. i was gonna say thought seas was still good against burn because they find Luris, you take it from their hand you can kind of still do the same thing with this. I just um, not a hundred percent that this will see play. I think I think it could in sideboards, yeah. but it's not something I'm crazy about. Yeah, that's where I saw it too. I, I agree. Like something like Arcanist, it, it's something that the Arcanist could bring back when it attacks. Give it a little bit extra discard. Sadly, disagree. I think this card's pretty pretty terrible, especially in the Arcanist deck, because the, the matchups that you're mentioning burn. The card that the most that's most impactful is light up the stage, and this can't hit light up the stage on turn mm, one. That's true. That's true. They do have they do have higher than two CMC cards. And I I also think that uh, the fact that you can't like use this as a kicker to flat uh, when you're flashing it back with Dreadhorde Arcanist just makes this super unplayable. And I would just rather play Duress, maybe even Despise over this. But I it is yeah. It, and currently cute. they do we do see some Duress in the sideboard right now for that reason. I would just call the card cute at this point. <laughs> that's fair all right we'll call it cute um so you talk about that as a trap card you guys want to go with one more that i think might be a trap go for it well i was gonna say it, you know graph reaver, reaver somebody put on this list and i'm kind of low on this card Why um, it's something i would have I, I wanted to be high on this card and i'm kind of just like you know what maybe it's not that impactful so this is the two mana three three zombie warrior when it enters the battlefield you can then exploit destroy planeswalker and being of your upkeep it deals one damage to you so I put it on the list, and I put it on the list because mm -hmm. Mono Black Aggro is a deck that often wanted to keep attacking your opponent, but it would take turns off because it had to attack Planeswalkers because it lost a lot of the grindy games. And a lot of the cards you end up wanting to sacrifice with Graph Reaver are your two ones that come back with very easy clauses to fulfill. So I think that being able to have the versatility to destroy a Planeswalker and having a 2-mana 3-3 three, three on turn 2 in your aggro deck that relies that is very good at interacting is something that you need to look at. Model Black Aggro, having this card is kind of powerful in my opinion. Hmm. Okay, I'm willing to... Maybe I can see it in Model Black Aggro. So you're focusing more on the destroying a Planeswalker part and I guess that's where it can live or die. Like I don't think there's that many Planeswalkers seeing play in the top decks of the format, you know, Niv doesn't really play many. Um, you know, there's not really any in Phoenix usually, especially in that matchup. There's not really any in Winota. You know, those are, those are kind of some of the biggest decks in the format. And you know, 
are you going to get any value there? And then just a two mana three three, I feel like we've got better options. Like I wouldn't replace Scrap Heap Scrounger with a two mana three three any day of the week. I don't think it replaces Scrap Heap Scrounger in this deck. I think it's a sideboard option for those kind of decks where a two mana three three because like it is also able to block, which is the big deal. Mm. Being able to block is a big thing. Yeah. Um, I I think it has a chance at being in mono black. I'm not an expert. We'll see if Belovo or Zuza loves this card, but I think there's an option. Okay. All right. Uh, Sounds good. Anything else in? Got anything else, Ryan? I mean, I'm... I mean, I just real quick path to peril, um, sideboard card to destroy stuff out of like you know mono red or um, you know auras or something like that. So destroy all creatures with value of two or less. You're probably never gonna pay that six mana cleave, especially with the white cost in there. But three mana, you know, one two black to destroy all creatures with two or less. It's a better. It's a, a little bit weaker ritual of sit, but it's easier to cast. Yeah, I think this card is, again, just interesting. I think the only reason it won't see play is because Orzhov decks just don't see play right now. Like, again, the Sewer deck we talked about earlier, maybe there. Mm -hmm. But Sewer already just has a good enough time of killing stuff, so it's not really worried. Yeah, you know, they've got four mana Wraths right now. Like, they've got Kaya's Wrath. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> okay, yep, sounds like we're all kind of aligned in there with black. Let's move on to red. Uh, I feel like I haven't grabbed one for a while, so I'm going to start off with Chandra just to kill. This is a three-mana Planeswalker. Hey, three-mana Planeswalkers, three loyalty. It can plus one to add red, and it deals one to a player or Planeswalker. It can plus one to exile the top card of your library, and if it's red, you can cast it this turn. Or you can exile seven, or you can pay seven, sorry, loyalty to exile the top five of your library. You can cast red spells from among them this turn, and you get an emblem where whenever you cast a red spell, it does X damage to any target where X is the mana spent on that spell. I was very low on this card, and I feel like I probably still should be, but I think it has... It's it, it might not see zero play, but I think that it's a big step down for a lot of reasons from other things you can do. Like, I don't think you're ever, ever, ever going to replace Torture Defiance with this card in any deck mm. that would want Torture Defiance. I think that there are some decks that don't want Torture Defiance that could theoretically play this card. And the things I think I'm most interested in is that, you know, adding one red... Turns on your spectacle. Um, you can immediately cast a Light of the Stage. You can immediately mm -hmm. cast a um, Skewer the Critics. That seems okay. Um, the plus one to exile a card from the top of your library can miss pretty easily, and you don't get anything off of it missing. So that makes me nervous on that one. I've seen a lot of red decks. I mean, I've been doing some testing, and I've seen a lot of red decks playing this so far, and it, and it seemed decent. Um, it's just easier cast than uh, it's easier to cast than Torch of Defiance. Not saying Torch of Defiance is bad, but like it's much better for like the burn and the aggro match or burn and I, aggro. Th that's strategies. where I'm. Yeah. I, I can see it in burn and aggro. I think any deck that would currently want Torch of Defiance, zero chance they want Tress to kill. This yeah. is fair. I think that the decks that would maybe have Chandra, you kind of have to ask the question: Is it better than Luris? And it isn't. It just isn't. Uh, the point of like Spectacle light up the stage. Uh, this is already a card draw engine, so like that's not even like a leg to stand on, not crap it on you, but that's just not... Uh, it's, this card mm. already just gives card advantage, so there's no reason mm. to even think about it. Uh, the only place that this dude might see play is the Mono Red Stompy deck, but your three drops are already Bone Crusher Giant, Goblin Chain Whirler, um, the other other cards like that, and Chandra just isn't better than those cards, so... Mm. You don't really, you don't really yeah, rely do. on your mono red card advantage. You more so rely on card quality, and well, the card quality of Bone Crusher Giant is just better. 
yeah you know I'll, here I'll, I'll quick ship a list in the chat here just like this is the one place i found that i was like you know i could try it there but uh yeah i'm pretty low on this i'm happy to move on to another card uh you want to go next ashiak i'm gonna i'm gonna go next but before we go i'm gonna have a hot take i think all red cards in this set are pretty duty i don't think there's a single uh, good one but the yeah, only fair. one that i think is uh very obviously just an upgrade is flame blast bolt Mm. Uh, it's just one red that it says deal two damage to a target creature or planeswalker. If that creature or planeswalker would die, exile it. Uh, in the decks that I currently play, I play Magma Spray as a sideboard card. The my decks being mm -hmm. the Yorion value piles, and the amount of times that there's been a Teferi at one loyalty after it down ticked and killed something or I tucked mm -hmm. one of my cards, and I just was like, wow, I lose to that card, huh? Mm -hmm. uh flame bless bolt at least makes magma spray a little bit more versatile which mm -hmm. makes it see play in like a couple more different matchups you can just kind of think where magma spray sees play already which is like the arcanist deck uh phoenix plays it uh you see it a lot of places so this just ends up being just a, obviously a strict upgrade so it's a pretty safe bet to say that this card will see play yeah i i totally agree uh it's one of my favorite red cards from the set um, yep, I'm, I'm right with you there. Should I go? Why don't you go ahead, Ryan? So I'm just going to grab both vampires here uh, that I like. <laughs> okay. Uh, Cemetery Gatekeeper is a 2-1 first strike for one in a red. And whenever it enters the battlefield, you get to exile a card from Graveyard. And whenever a player plays a land or casts a spell, it shares a... a sorry, whenever a player... Okay, that's kind of worse then. It shares a card type with the exile card. Cemetery Gatekeeper deals two damage to that player. So... You know, if you choose a land or something in your graveyard and then play this, you know, whenever anybody plays a land, they take two damage. I think you were talking about that before, Kevin. That sounds like a really powerful factor if you're exiling an instant against, uh, um, uh, what is it, a phoenix or something like that. Whenever they play an instant, you're going to be pinging them for two damage. It That seems really good. It's a really good punishing card, almost a hate bear, I would say, in red. And then the other one that I kind of wanted to talk about was Dominating Vampire, just because I like that it has the, um, what was the, uh, Active Treason effect on a Vampire. It's a 3-3 three, three for 1 and 2 red, and uh, when it enters the battlefield, you get to gain control of target creature with mana, mana value less than or equal to the number of Vampires you control. And then it, you get to untap it and it gains haste. So I like, you know, if you're playing an aggro deck and you're going to be playing like a turn one, turn two, turn three vampire, you play this, you steal their biggest blocker and you attack with it. Seems decent. I don't know if red, black vampires or whatever vampires, you know, build is going to be good, but it seems like a powerful effect. So. I, I do think Dominating Vampire is at least worth mentioning. Um, and I will mention one upside here is that if you are going turn one Vampire, turn two Vampire, turn three Dominating Vampire, you can give it self-haste if they have no creatures in play. Okay. Um, as far as the other one, it you know it's certainly not Thalia. Like, it, it wants to be Thalia. It's a 2-1 first strike. Um, and I think all the things I said about you know them just killing Thalia kind of apply to this too. Uh, and I think that the biggest thing here is making sure that you've got a card you can actually exile. Mm -hmm. Like, I would love it if you could play this and have that Ankh of Mishra effect on turn two every turn, but there's a lot of times where there's just not going to be a land in the graveyard right away, and then this becomes really awkward, Is I think. It, isn't there red neonates you can sacrifice and discard a card? Yeah. 
There is, yeah. You don't have to pay mana for that, And as well as, we we just got this Voldar and Epicure, which is kind of in that same vein being a one mana, one, one, that when it enters, deal one to the opponent and makes a blood token. So you can pay that one mana to discard something, to do something else. Um, Just as long as we're mentioning Insolent Neonate, I thought that card deserved a shout out as having a little bit of potential if there's something that would want Neonate right now. This is kind of an additional copy. Yeah. I think I think looking at Cemetery Gatekeeper, I think it's just worse than worse than Ash Zealot, which is from RTR mm. or Harsh Mentor. Like we've seen a lot mm. of these effects in the past of just like additional damage with a very specific clause that just don't see any play whatsoever. And I think this sadly well, we falls see into Eidolon. I think I, I think Eidolon's, Eidolon's in a different category a because that one doesn't. I think the condition to be met is a lot easier there. I wouldn't put Eidolon in the same category as Ash Zealot, but. I, like I think this one just falls short. I think Eidolon is uh, the only playable one out of like okay. the two mana. I'm, I'm not going to write it off because I think that there's decks like Arcanist where they can't play Eidolon because they would kill themselves, but they would play Eidolon because there's certain matchups that it would really help them out in. And I think that that's kind of the sweet spot that this might fall into. I don't think it's a definite, but I think it might fall into that sweet spot. Mm-hmm. And it gives red main board uh, graveyard hate, which is nice. Yeah, one card isn't much of Graveyard yeah, Hate, though. Get rid know, of I Crocs feel like a lot of the decks... It, it's not like decks that are reanimating one huge creature. I feel like it's more that decks have a lot of cards in their graveyard. They're going to fuel a cruise. They're going to mm. fuel a bunch of phoenixes. Um, I, I don't feel like single card Graveyard Hate does that much. Um, okay, so do you guys have any other red cards you want to talk about? I have no red cards to talk about. Oof, I think red's really bad. <laughs> what about you, Kevin? Do you have anything else? Yeah, I, have you know, I thought more. this Volteric Visionary was interesting, but I'm not not big on it. I'll just mention it as a 2-mana 3-1. You can tap it to deal 2 damage to yourself, and then it becomes a 4. Well, So you do 2 damage to yourself, and then you look at the top card of your library and can play it this turn. Um, and when you do, it turns into a 4-3 that can't block. Eh. Um so yeah, yeah, you know, a four three for two mana seems medium, I yeah. guess. You know, I was just writing off a three three for two mana. So if a four three for two mana that can't block and dealt you damage and is kinda slow, you know, three turns without doing damage. Okay, yeah, I, I can write this off. Yeah, we got um, Blood Chase Berserker in the format, which sadly writes this off. If that card doesn't see play, this card won't see play. So I have one more card I want to talk about, and that's Maniform Hellkite. It's 4-4 four, four Flyer uh, for 2 and 2 Red. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, you get to create an XX Dragon Illusion token. And then uh, it has Flying in Haste, and X is the amount of mana spent to cast that spell. Uh, and then it says Exile the token at the beginning of the end step. It feels like there's some kind of storm combo here. Uh, I think I was talking to somebody, and... Between this and like Locust God and the uh, there was another like effect, you know, you're you're just putting a, a you're drawing your deck and like putting tons of cards into play and and then you're just like swinging for for the win. So maybe it was I think it was Locust God they were saying, but there's got to be something to build around this where you just go off and then make a a, a crap ton of XX tokens and then attack right. What do you guys think? I'm gonna say wrong. No. Uh, I think this is just uh, strictly. Or sorry, not strictly. Uh, I think this is just worse than Shark Typhoon. Uh, Shark Typhoon oh, does play... a lot of the same idea. That play it together. Why? Because like you could just like you at least have the option of like drawing an additional card. I think 
I think a four mana four four that doesn't immediately get value like Omnath does mm-hmm. sadly won't see play because you need more of a mana investment. Like this is at least a six mana card that doesn't mm-hmm. get a body that sticks around, and I can just hard cast Shark Typhoon yeah. that dodges removal a lot of the time at mm-hmm. least. And that's the bad side of Shark Typhoon. The good side is the the cycling for a token. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Hail Mary. I, I side. think you know. If, <laughs> yeah, the kind of the kind of deck that wants a four mana flyer, you know, a four mana four four, isn't the kind of deck that has you know big expensive non creature spells that you can be playing afterwards. So I just don't see where this would find well, out. I mean, and I don't currently have a combo yeah. for it. You know, the fact that it says the mana spent means that you can't really cheat with this very easily. I mean, I I think I said like Sprite Dragon in some kind of, uh, you know, like um, I guess it'd be kind of like a Phoenix yeah, I... type deck, but. So what it's doing then is it's saying like okay so for when you're casting your wild slash you're doing one extra damage because you're making a one one flying dragon yeah. like that's that's one damage for your four four. That's like, why I, I said think you can do a lot better. That's with why that. I said it'd be in a storm deck. But anyways, let's move on to green. All right, we can go on to green. Um, maybe I'll start us off with I think a little pet card here. You know, it's probably not going to actually be good, but I've been having so much fun playing with it. Is this Cultivator Colossus? It's a seven mana star star plant beast with trample. It's power, toughness, or equal to the number of lands you control. And when it enters the battlefield, you can put a land from your hand onto the battlefield, tapped. And if you do, you draw a card and repeat this process any number of times. Um, I don't think there's any fair way to play this card, but I think that it's a lot of fun that if you can either run a deck that's like all lands, or what I was doing is I was playing like Alhamaret's Archive and Teferi's Ageless Wisdom, and just like play a land, draw two cards play a land draw two cards play and just you know play your entire deck and just win on the spot with it so um i think this card's bad i just have been having fun with it so i wanted to call it out i can respect that i also think it's bad <laughs> they'll probably show up in my brew uh my brews episode in, in a uh episode or two eh, i could go with uh nissa who shakes the world nissa does shake the world but i think it's shaking the world to cast uh some genesis ultimatums or some turns rather yeah, than uh there a we big go. thickums yeah, all right. <laughs> Why doesn't somebody pick something a little more serious here? You want to go ask Yeah? Uh, sure, I'll put the only card I put on this green pile. I think the only green card that we really might see play is Cemetery Prowler. Uh, one green green for a 3-4 wolf with Vigilance. Uh, whenever it attack, whenever, sorry, whenever it enters the battlefield or attacks, you exile a card from a graveyard. But spells the spells you cost, sorry, spells you cast cost one less for each uh, card type they share with mm. the exiled. Uh, I think... This is somewhat uh, able to... Sorry, you need to be able to think about this card because Brimaz was a card that was always on the cusp of being played. Sadly, mm-hmm. it always fell short. Hmm. But I think the Mono Green Stompy decks, having something hmm. that's a little bit more... Less mana intensive than Scavenging Ooze just makes it a little bit more fine and playable. I don't think this card is too insane, but out of the green cards, I think this is like in contention for being one of the two mo- most possibly playable cards. But... Mm-hmm. I think a less uh, mad intensive skews is kind of okay. Yeah, I like it. I, I definitely think it'll I, see play in Stompy. I don't think it's going to see play in Stompy. I'm, I'm actually going to say that I'm the one who's low on this. You know, I don't think you can replace skews because skews is two mana rather than three. And looking at my three drops, I don't feel like I want to drop any of them, especially if I'm playing a Ronus deck. Like, this doesn't have enough power to trigger Ronus which makes it one of our only three drops then that wouldn't be able to turn on Ronus. So like that that makes me kind of low on it. Okay. That's fair. I was equally kind of low on this card, but it was brought up that it like 
for the three mana that you're spending, that you get the same effect as like the Scavenging Ooze plus an activation. So it makes it kind of fine. I think a lot of these like Prowler-esque cards, the one that are in these cycles, are a lot better when we think about the format being Day Through Time versus Treasure Cruise-esque. I think it makes them a little mm. bit more powerful. But again, powerful enough to see play? That's the question. And I think the answer is no for a lot of them. I have a yeah. I have a question for both of you guys for the next one. Um, dig up is it better or worse than traverse the Uvenwald from I want to say that was from Shadows Over Innistrad. So oh, dig up is works. one man sorry one green and you get to search your library for a basic land card and reveal it and put it into your hand, or if you pay four mana for the cleave cost which is one black black and a green you get to search for any card it turns into a tutor just like Traverse the Uvenwald, kind of, and then you don't have to reveal it and just put it into your hand. So Traverse was one mana, basic land card, and then if you had Delirium, you could find any creature card or land card, I think. Yes. Uh, so, so I think this is way worse. Yeah. Um, the, the big thing is that Traverse, you know, at six mana, you could go Traverse plus a five drop. You This would be nine mana to do that. So, like, I don't ever feel happy casting that cleave cost, and... I don't think that the you know the, the find a basic land part has been very good. Like we don't see Traverse seeing play currently. There's no deck that really needs the mana fixing, mm-hmm. um, as well as that deck just not really seeing play right now. Okay, just wanted but, to put that in there for that exact question. The shell that Traverse sees play in is the Soul Flayer deck, and paying three mana for your Soul Flayer versus paying six mana for your Soul Flayer is big difference. Got it. Got it. All right, who's next? Kevin? I do believe it's Kevin. Um, yeah, I want to call out, so, you know, last set we got a very nice new, we got a few very nice new additions for Winota. Um, I don't know if this one will see play, but we did get another big human werewolf that could potentially be tried out in that deck. And this is the six-mana Avabruck Caretaker. Um, it's a six-mana 4-4 four, four with Hexproof, and beginning of combat on your turn, you put two plus one plus one counters on another target creature you control. And the backside is that it's a 6-6 with Hexproof. All of your other permanents have Hexproof. And instead of putting counters on one creature, you put them on all of your creatures. Um, so really, it would be kind of go big instead of go wide, which is what the the current 6-6 um, Huntmaster does. Mm-hmm. That's why I think I'm probably not going to see the seeing play, but maybe it'll show up as a one-of just because that protection ability is so mean. Like there, there are decks that would just have such a hard time dealing with a four-four mm. that can quickly grow bigger and even make your whole team grow bigger if you want to. Yeah, I could definitely see that, especially if like you just have this in play along with some Eska chariots and you're just continuing to make those tokens, and then you know you just you let it flip and then all those tokens become three threes. Yeah, I, I, I think that, you know, one of could definitely be playable. Yeah, I, I got, like, this being a, uh, the idea where you want to protect your Winota a little bit kind of makes us uh, on the cusp of playable, but I think it's a competing mm-hmm. slot with Trollvall's Huntmaster from the mm-hmm. last set, and I think Grave Titan's better than this card, so I'm going to go with Grave Titan. <laughs> yeah. There you go. <laughs> Yeah, that's fair. I, I would want to play it in the very werewolf version. You know, if you're if you're using Tolivar to flip us into night, and then you can, you know, pull something out of your deck that gives your entire team hexproof. That's kind of cool. Mm. No, that's fair. Okay, I'm happy to move on. Uh, was there anything else you wanted to talk about, uh, Ashiok? Uh, I'm pretty sure I'm good. Uh, there's okay. not a lot of again green kind of meh, but interesting at least. 
I, I do want to. I did. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. I mean, I'll let, I'll, I'll turn it over to you after this, uh, Kevin. So I, I thought Green was meh. So um, I, I did think that reclusive taxidermist mm-hmm. deserved a mention though, because it, it might show up. You know, this is a two mana one two that can tap for any mana of any color, which is nice, and it can it gets plus three plus two as long as there's four or more creature cards in your graveyard. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of want to cheat with this card. I want to be like, you'll play this in, if I've got a version of like God Pharaoh's Gift or something, um, I kind of like that it's a mana dork that's going to come back as a, what would it be, like a 7-6? Um, maybe that's what interests me about it. I don't have a home for it yet, but I do think it's not far from being one of the better mana dorks at 2 mana. I uh, think it competes with Paradise Druid and Someone Carry Added, which are both mm, just like pretty better. So Yeah, yeah. Um, I wanted to point out Mulch real quick, just because, you know, it hasn't been in standard since Innistrad, the original Innistrad, I believe. And, uh, you know, I think someone was talking about they wanted another Seder Wayfinder type of fact to be able to put more cards into the graveyard, and this does a really good job of it. You know, so Mulch, if you don't know, Sorcery, one in a green, reveal the top four cards of your library, all the land cards go into your hand, and the rest into your graveyard. So slightly different. If you're putting more cards into the graveyard, then maybe the Seder is better. But if you need those lands, this will get you a bunch of lands. Filters off the, it's off the top of your deck. Uh, I think... I, I, don't, I don't understand why you'd want copies 5 through 8 of Seder Wayfinder. I don't know which deck wants it. But, I mean, if there is, I mean, I guess this one's better. But sadly, I don't think that deck exists. Not yet. Yeah, and I guess the, the, the trouble is also that the kind of deck that would want that right now would want a lot of creatures in the graveyard, which Seder helps with more than Mulch does. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, I've missed with Seder Wayfinder an awful lot in my lifetime. I've played a lot of Seder Wayfinders, and you know, missing with a Mulch sounds really, really nasty, especially with the kind of deck that's running like 20 lands, which Dredgeless currently does. Okay. Just wanted to point it out. Um, okay. Anything else you want to talk about, Kevin, Any, or do you want to move on? He, I, I had honorable mentions like the Ascendant Pack Leader, the new two one one drop could be okay. Um, Hamlet Vanguard, I think, was just a fun of. I'm not going to talk about that card. Yeah. Okay, let's go to multicolor here. I think that that's about where we are. I kind of want to dive in. I think my favorite go, card in the set is multicolored. Yeah, go for it. What do you Wandering got? Wandering Mind, my boy. Uh, he's, Ooh, okay. A, okay. he's a one mana. Or sorry, he's a three mana. A one blue and a red for a two one flying horror. But when he enters the battlefield, you look at the top six cards of your library, you can reveal a non-creature, non-land card from among them, put them in your hand, rest in the bottom. I think this uh, this card is in contention for being one of the best ones in the set. I think, for Pioneer-wise, uh, being able to play this in a Fire's Shell, a Fire's Yorion Shell, which is what my bread and butter is, mm. this card is nuts. Like be- The issue with Fire's decks and Yorion piles was you were never able to consistently find fires because your only real card that you had ran for like drawing cards was Omen of the Sea and Girl Spiral. And Omen of the Sea only looks at three cards, if that, if you bought them everything, and Girl Spiral doesn't look at any additional cards. This one looking at six and being able to also grab threats makes it mm. insane. It's so good. That's my uh, day. Okay, Kevin, how about you? I mean, you want to talk about that? I'm not I'm, good on blue. So. I really like this card. I just don't know where it would fit is kind of my problem. So I guess, yeah, maybe we'll try it in a Fire's deck. I'd be willing to I'm convinced. be interested in that. You'll see one just, posted in a you're week. You're convinced? You'll okay. see one posted in a week. Uh, the, the day right, this set I'm, gets I'm reviewed, I'm brewing endless with this card. Ooh. 
Yeah. Okay, uh, I'll I'll mess it up. I, I'm willing to give that a try. Yeah, I'm just I'm just bad with blue cards. I cannot see their true value. Well, I, I, do we want it in a Niv? Can we Niv with this thing? Yeah. Fires Niv. Yeah, but the the and, the thing that you want with Niv though is Niv is already a cantrip, and it's the best cantrip in the deck. Yeah, that's so true. sadly, Wandering Mind just is another cantrip which you don't want. You want all your cards to be really powerful. Um, something that me and Claudio were trying to break in the format was Survival of the Fittest. We were trying to find the best deck for that. Not Survival of the Fittest, um, so, uh, hmm. Storm of the Festival. Uh, and this, finding Storm of the Festival to be able to put your five mana Planeswalkers into play, plus also being able to play Fires, like, like this might be the glue that solves that deck. Uh, I think Ooh, some... I've had a lot of bad Storm of the Festival decks. I, I <laughs> so, think some mid-range... You know, maybe bring me in on this conversation. I, I can tell you all the terrible things I've tried I not to try that. I think some mid-range pile might work out with Fires, purely just because this can get your threats, this can get your ramp, this can get your Fires, which is the big deal. And I think the mm-hmm. place that this will very much so obviously see play is in the um, the Ignatic Incarnation deck, the one that I was playing today. Because playing this on three, yeah. finding either one of your quote-unquote combo pieces, or um, potting into it with your two-drop just seems nuts to me. Mm. Yeah, both those things sound good. So that, that's where I could see it. Okay, I'm down. I'm down for that card very much. So yeah, I think that I just hadn't thought about where it could see play, but now that I know where it could see play, I'm definitely big on this card. Um, I'll take the next one if you don't mind, because I don't have Go too many that I want to talk about. I like Dorothea, Vengeful Victim. I think I talked about this during our spoiler episode. Uh, it's mm-hmm. one. Sorry, it's a white and a blue for a four-four flyer, but the drawback is that if an attacker blocks, you have to sacrifice it. But it has disturb for one white and a blue, and it turns into an aura that puts a four-four white spirit creature token into play, that's tapped and attacking, whenever you enchanted creature attacks so i kind of like this in well anyway any way that you can give your creature hex proof i would like it so i know that you know some people have been trying out like bands like boggles like a, a hex proof type of aura build or you can even just play in straight spirits and put it on another spirit and just give it hex proof with like rattle chains or you know just protect it uh i think yeah Putting an extra spirit into play with that could really turn the tide, you know, especially if you have a Supreme Phantom that's putting, you know, like a, a 5 5 flying spirit into play whenever it attacks. That would just be insane. Hmm. But this is a card I really like that I haven't gotten a chance to try out yet. I, I it might end up just being terrible, but I do want to try this card because there's some raw power there. And there's a couple weird things I want to try. Like, you know, you can crew with this and then it survives. Um, Mm -hmm. It seems decent as a blocker. You know, like anything in Phoenix is going to die to attacking into this. And that seems like a pretty worthwhile trade for two mana. Although, unless they just bounce in their hand with uh, with the thing in the ice. Um, There's maybe potential here. I also think it's bad, but I was going to try out Nico Aris and just like swing in with a 4-4 and block bull. And then it goes back to your hand instead. Mm. Uh, I'm on the train that this card is interesting. Not sure if good. I think the blue-white auras deck that we've talked about previously, because the card that, that yeah. it's existed with that that has some something to do similar to this card was Invocation of the Geist Saint or whatever that uh, Shadows of Rinnistrad Rare was. That may that is the other yeah, half of this. Invocation of Saint Traff. I think this mm-hmm. makes it interesting because you can bring it back with Loris as having a four-four kind of. Mm-hmm blocker sometimes with Loris, uh and end up also being uh being able to put it on some hex proof creature uh or just like 
anything like that. I think it's interesting. I don't think it's that good. I think it won't see play, but I, I think there is a shell that this could exist. Hmm. All right, who's next? Is it Kevin? Or I believe it is Kevin. Uh, pick a person, then I'll go for it. Sure, I'll, I'll go ahead. <clears throat> um, as long as we're on Blue White Spirits. Um, I was really excited for Brian Comer. I thought the people were underrating this card. Uh, and I tested it out, and it kind of didn't do very much in the deck I was trying it in. So maybe I'm not ready to write it off yet, but um, this might also just be me being like, hey, guys, this card, if you think it looks really good, it might not actually be that good. I wanted this card to be Lingering Souls, and I looked at it, and I was like, okay, three mana, make two spirits, pay two from the graveyard, make another spirit. You know, you're losing one out on Lingering Souls is where I was like, this is this is Lingering Souls, but you're losing one spirit. But like, okay, well, you don't get the flying on the front half, and if it gets exiled, you don't get the back half, and if you... You know, you can't cast it unless the front half dies, so, like, that loses some things. I don't know if it's terrible. I just, like, I feel like people were underrating this, but then I was overrating it, so maybe it's somewhere in the middle. I don't think I'm ready to fully write off this card yet, because it can easily be three bodies for Lingering Souls mana. You know, you can mill it into your graveyard and cast it and get spirit tokens, um, and sometimes more than one. I don't know. What do you guys think on this card? Because I'm not ready to write it off 100. percent Yeah, I mean maybe. You know, in the white blues uh, or a deck, perhaps. I'm pretty done right now. Like some kind of value Yorian something. As the expert Yorian gamer here, I'm pretty. I'm pretty ready to write this off. I I, I think this is sadly just like. Yeah, it is like a little bit similar to Lingering Souls, but it just really isn't because this isn't a token itself. I feel like that's the issue with this card. My issue with it is. Brian Comber is not a token. If it was just said create two one one tokens and then its other half was the same, yeah, I'd be super into this card. But I just can't be, I because it's not more tokens. Because a token strategy could exist in Pioneer, but this one won't. Okay, well, w- well, what if we we mill this card? We're playing Bant Yorian. We're gonna mill this card, and then we're going to bring it back, make a spirit with flying, and then we're going to flicker it with Yorian, and then we're gonna hit the front half again. I could flicker Wandering Mind. That that would have that would be like I think there's just better things to be doing than to make three two one ones. I think is I don't know the amount of one ones. I think creating one ones is the what but... you want to do. I think you want to draw more cards that'll eventually draw you into more powerful cards versus incremental uh, value. But if you could play Lingering Souls, would you? Yes, but I wouldn't play it because I wouldn't play this specific <laughs> one because. Uh, in a Yorion pile. I don't think Yorion pile would be where Lingering Souls would see play. In a transition, though, if Lingering Souls was in the format, I genuinely think Kaya would be the best card in this format. Or the best card in this set, sorry. <laughs> okay, wild. Okay, sell me on Kaya, because I think she's terrible. I also think she's terrible right now, but I do think she's one of those cards that we're going to look at in like the next two sets when some token producer gets comes busted. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, we got Kaya Geist Hunter being one white and black. With, uh, comes in at three loyalty. It's plus one. Says creatures you control gain death touch until end of turn. Put a one one counter on, on up to one target token creature you control. It's minus three. Says until end of turn. If one or more tokens uh, would be created under your control, twice that many get created instead. And then it's minus six. Says exile all cards from all. Sorry, exile all cards from all graveyards. Then create a one one white spirit token for each one exiled this way. I think if there's a tokens deck to be created, this is by and far the best card that gets that's in that deck. I think I being volunteer. Able, 
I, I, I sadly don't think there is a tokens <laughs> deck because I think what needed to be printed in this set was either Intangible Virtue or Lingering Souls, legitimately. That card, text, uh, the entirety of that text being in this set. Mm-hmm. I also think that if there's ever a world where Walking Ballista comes back to the format, Kaya becomes really good again because giving a Walking she Ballista death touch... She can't put the counter on it, though. But giving your creatures death touch with Walking Ballista in play makes it a Okay, that's a little a better. Kill. Yeah, I was going to say, like, people were saying, like, uh, Hangerback Walker, but like, you can't put the plus and plus encounter on a non-token creature. Mm-hmm. No, it's it's the giving your creatures death touch. I think that's the important part when it comes to Walking Ballista. But, again, let's look at it in a shell where tokens exist, because if Lagering Souls is in the format, like this card becomes busted or if intangible virtue i think there's i think there's one good tokens card or like spectral procession one good tokens card comes in this format and boom mm-hmm. kayak becomes busted i don't think it's busted right now i agree with you it looks pretty bad but one card gets printed and this card becomes insane i want to that that's my, so, that's my next uh can, can next i jump goal. in here ryan because yeah. i didn't get a chance to talk about so kaya i have a black and white tokens deck that i was testing out pioneer and I was playing Anointed Procession in that deck, so right away I was like, okay, we're going to try out Kaya Geistheiner in Anointed Procession spot, and I hated her, even there. So if I can't even be sold on her, then no one should be interested in this card. Um, I, I think the biggest the biggest problem there is that like you, you can play Anointed Procession on an empty board and the next turn make a ton of tokens. You play her on an empty board, and your opponent just swings and kills her, and then you just did nothing. Like she She's just so bad. Mm. yeah she definitely All right, now where are you going Ryan no I'm just saying uh, you guys killed my Hunger Games moments I said I volunteer I'll make the deck you oh. know, I'll, I'll be the sacrifice that, that'll be uh, next season it's, though it's bad it'll be next season it'd be bad yeah uh, I'm pretty good with uh, the rest of the uh, multicolor cards I think really wow okay Um, I could definitely keep going yeah, if you guys I don't, don't mind for pioneer playable but maybe so EDH. one of the top cards i think from the deck even or from the set even is uh yeah so got a couple nicknames for this guy but his actual name is torrens fist of the angels one in a green and a white for a 2-2 human cleric with training he's a legendary creature and whenever you cast a creature spell you make a 1-1 green and white human soldier creature token with training um he's a human mm-hmm. he makes humans he puts counters on these humans uh, I think that this card could be really, really great, and I think that there's a couple homes where he might see play. Um, he just spits out a lot of tokens, and they're human, so they put toners on Thalia's Lieutenant, and when Thalia's Lieutenant gets really big, then all of your creatures grow because they've got training. Yeah. I'm less excited on this card, honestly. I, I, under- I understand the go-wide strategy, but mm. I, I think the issue with humans right now is not going wide or going tall. I think you can do both of those very easily already. If if humans want to become a more prevalent deck in the format, I think you need better disruption, which is what Thalia is doing. That's why I'm more excited about humans. I'm not excited about this card, any sort of human strategy. So, like, you know, in Elves, we had that guy from Kaldheim that whenever you cast an Elf spell, you get, like, a plus one, plus one. Um token from it and I, I feel that that kind of has just better synergy overall as well as like an alternate win condition with the uh the black green uh shaman i think what was it something, something uh shaman, shaman of the pact also Maybe that card shaman. is i think the big thing also is that card is not legendary this card is yeah but like this is kind of like the same thing you know you're you're gonna get you know creatures whenever you cast a spell but you need to play an elf in there to get him out on turn two and then 
you know, it's a three mana card. You, you have to like really, really go crazy like over the next few turns to get value from him. Okay. I mean, yeah, that's fair. I'm not like huge on him, but I think that he's okay. I think that is a card I'm at least excited about. And with the rest of the power level of the set, um, that's why I was kind of low on, or kind of, kind of high on. The training, the training is nice though. It, it's possible, but yeah, it's well, not. I don't like training much, but yeah, yeah. I'm just not. High In most on cases, it. I don't like training. Yeah, I'm just sadly not hyped on this card. Okay, um, Ashak, do you have more yeah. you want to go to? Ashak? I think Lantern of the Lost is just a quick cover. Uh, one mana. Mm, okay, yeah, that's quick. Uh, Lantern Lost enters the battlefield, exile third card from a graveyard, and then for one mana, you get to nuke the entirety of all graveyards and draw a card. I think this is just slightly better in non-Luris decks that are playing Soul God Lantern. Uh, because with when you were playing Luris, you were able to cycle it to keep drawing cards and keep getting the minor value. Well, this one, you just get the value one time of both sides of Soul Guide Lantern. Like, that's mm. the only place you'll see play is non-Luris decks that play Soul Guide Lantern. Mm-hmm. Which are very far yeah, and few between, so but it's not great. Yeah, you need to not care about your own graveyard, too. Yeah, which most decks playing Soul Guide Lantern already just didn't that are non-lurus but that's why uh yeah. that's why uh, it is a specific non-lurus shell for that one okay um i'm gonna keep going because i think i've got more here uh so edgar i don't think is unplayable like i think he got written off because a lot of edh players were mad about him but the actual card seems decent you know it's a four four for four which is nah but all of your other vampires get plus one plus one and he's kind of hard to kill you know he dies he just comes back as an artifact that makes a vampire every turn so like if you're playing, you know, if you, if I splashed white in the current black vampires deck, I could just play Soren, you know, next turn play this guy plus Soren, sacrifice him. Every turn I've got a counter I can plus Soren and deal three to something, and then he'll just come back as a four four. Mm. I could do it again, you know, like he also doesn't seem terrible in multiples because you play a second one, it just legend rules to the backside, mm-hmm. and then you've got your uh your counters every turn. Like I, I don't know why this card has been as far as I've seen, pretty written off. I think that there's some power here. I, I don't know if it's going to make a home in Pioneer, but I think this is a good card that could maybe find a home eventually. Yeah, and again, it comes down to, like, you know, the current Vampire's uh, deck in Pioneer is more aggro-based, I think. it's once some... uh, Well, no, it's not. It's not at all aggro-based, I think. Maybe not aggro-based, but it's more, how can I say, uh, value-based. And, yeah, the plus and plus one is nice for other Vampire's. But I don't see him making. I think it's. It feels like he's. He'd be better in like a slower mid-range version of vampires. I I'm gonna put the take out there that I think Edgar is pretty okay. I think my issue with Edgar is you would have to make the mana base blue, or so you'd have to play more duels, which means you're also not playing Faceless Haven. And I would categorize mm. vampires as as an entirety of deck as as already a mid-range value-based deck that has the ability to be a very aggressive deck because yeah. four mana or sorry three mana put in a four four that eventually grows and any deck with the uh, knight of the ebon legion i would already just call like a pretty aggressive exactly deck. that's why i considered it an i i would i would call it an aggressive deck with a great value plan there versus, you go like i i just i sadly just don't think this card is worth splashing in an already existing vampires deck if I'm wrong, then I am, because then you get to play like Legion Lieutenant. But that that's a mm. that's a more go wide version of Vampires, which hasn't existed. So that's mm. why I'm a little bit more okay. skeptical on it. Can I splash a different way then? Mm-hmm. Let's go with Olivia. 
This is a commander Six, card. I'm yeah. never wanting to hard cast this card, but it, okay, yeah. So I don't care about the mana cost. It's a three four vampire noble, and I'm only I want to be able to plus Soren or you know minus Soren and put this into play, and then it's a three four flying haste when it attacks you turn another creature card from your graveyard to play attack and attacking, and if you don't control a legendary vampire, that creature gets exiled. Um, so you bring back Kalidus, you bring back a couple of your other legendary vampires. This seems like one of the best things you could put into play with Soren, and again, it's. 100%. I feel like if this were mono black, it would be a slam dunk. And the only question is can vampires afford to splash a second color? Hmm. My take I mean, is no on its current idea. Uh, I think the that the, the value that Faceless Haven brings is uh, it's a lot. I think it's insanely better than Mutavolt, especially in that deck specifically. Uh, I sadly just. Well, so how about as far as my hot take? If this was mono black, do you think it would fit in the current vampires deck? No, it's a six drop, and in six drop world, <laughs> I think Necropolis Regent is probably the better, which is like interesting. I I don't I don't think you need issue with going or uh, going onto the board and playing to the board, which Olivia does. Uh, maybe growing them is like slightly better with Necropolis Regent, but again, I think you want to play a lot more mid range vampires. And sadly, the six mana is not a mid-range vampire. Hmm. Did you want to talk about any others uh, in multicolor, Kevin? Um, I've got one artifact I wanted to give a kind of a negative shout-out almost. So Dalhouse of Horrors was one of the cards I was most excited about in this entire set. And then I found out that the when it was first spoiled, it was spoiled not in English, and they translated it wrong. Um, when they first translated it, they said that it gets plus one, plus one for each other artifact. Uh, the actual translation is that it's plus one, plus one for each construct, and now I think it's terrible. It might not be unplayable, but I hate this card because I saw what it could have been, and it's not. Hmm. Yeah. I. It's kind of all I have to say on it. <laughs> seems like an EDH card to me. Yeah. That's fair. Okay. I have no take. Uh, anything else to mention, guys? You know, there, there's the finishing of the land cycle, mm -hmm. the enemy slow lands. I think these were less important than the enemy fast lands. Um, or, sorry, the allied slow lands, so I'm not too excited about anywhere these will fit in. They might pop up here or there. Yeah. Yeah. They'll, be, they'll pop. Yeah, like, they'll show up. They'll show up very minorly. Like, overgrow like a couple of lands from the Innistrad have at least seen mm -hmm. play. Like, I think the, the Celestia one has. Obviously, I've played a few of it today. Uh, I think these are just kind of like they're okay. They're like not that insane. They're not going to replace a lot of things, but they're okay. All right. Well, I'm ready for my top five. If you guys are ready, yeah, let's go into our top doing five this here. So long. Yes. What sir. do you got, Ryan? Why don't you jump us off? All right. So uh, I, I actually made a change off of what I posted on Discord earlier. So my top five, okay. I have Thalia. Uh, I think she's going to make a big uh, impact. She's my number one. Uh, the Cemetery Illuminator that we were talking about, you guys changed my mm. mind, or actually I changed my own mind, I guess. It just seemed really good um, with all the abilities to cast more cards for spirits. Um, I like Chandra Dressed to Kill as my number three. I think that'll fit into like Burn and Mono Red. Uh, Flame Blessed Bolt, as uh, Ashiok said, was really good at an upgrade over Magma Spray, so I definitely think that'll see a lot of play. And then also, I, I, I think Cemetery Prowler will be better as or sorry will be playable as well in this format so that's my top five do you want me to go next Dash? go for it 
All right, so I, you know, my list is kind of it's Thalia and then nothing else. <laughs> you know, number one is Thalia, and I'd feel like nothing else is close. Um, I did put Flame Blast Bolt at number two. I said the Cemetery Gatekeeper, that's the Red Cemetery Cycle at number three, but I'm mm, on it after we talked about it. Um, I put Torin's Angel Fister at number four, which I'm also mm, after we talked about it. Uh, and I said, as just my kind of fun of to round out the list, I said the Welcoming Vampire, just because I'm excited to brew with that card. Um, it could also see no play. It's kind of Thalia in this set and not a lot else. Gotcha. All right, I guess it's my turn. I changed mine from my original ones. Uh, Daughter Will Mentions, though, is going to be... I'm throwing it back to my Hallbreaker Horror. Hmm. I think that card is so bad, okay. but I'm going to play it regardless. <laughs> I think that card is fun. All right. Uh, All but right. number five, I have Flame Blast Bolt, which we've already mentioned a lot about. Number four, Thirst for Discovery. I think Thirst for Discovery will end up actually being like pretty okay. pretty good. Just being able to dig or being able to also fill the bin for your dig through times and similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Foul Stinger at number three, uh, I, exploiting the Gilded Goose idea to draw a card in that great green black food deck, which has always just mm-hmm. been on the cusp. Ekros has loved playing that deck, and he said that this card seems kind of fine there. Uh, I have Thalia at number two because number one for me is Wandering Mind. I think Wandering <laughs> Mind is so powerful and so fun, and it's going to be so good. I think it's so. That's fine. I, I wouldn't great. mind having Wandering Mind on my list if I have that. Maybe I should put him as my new number three or four. I think, I think Wandering Mind is gonna is gonna surprise a lot of people. I think that card's pretty good. All right. Thank you guys for your hard work today. Yeah, uh, that's going to bring us to the end of our show here. So I'm going to do a quick wrap up. Um, Thank you guys so much for listening. This has been our set review of the Crimson Vow set that's coming out, I want to say next week from when we're recording this yes, yep sir. should be live yep. i think it'll be on moto next week and then you'll be able to play pre-release the week after that or something like that um if you guys enjoy this content if you enjoy pioneer as a whole the best thing you can do is to follow us on twitter at mdg pioneer that's where we post all kinds of things pioneer related and retweet anybody who's posting pioneer content you can also find a link to our discord there and that's where all of our episodes will be posted first and you guys can find me on twitter as well at yoshwenky y-o-s-c-h-w-e-n-k-y uh, yeah, you can also find our top five lists are going to be in our pod live chat as well if you want to check those out later and post your own. So feel free to do that. And Ashiak, you want to throw out your socials? It's your boy Ashiak. He's at Dreams of Ashiak on uh, Twitter, Ashiak Nightmare Weaver on Twitch. I don't stream as much as I'd like to right now because school will be like that. But mm-hmm. uh, I will maybe fire up the stream if I get a very interesting Wondering Mind deck going because that hmm. card makes me so excited. Awesome, awesome. All right, anything last minute to shout out? Anyone you want to give a shout out to? I'm good. I want to give a shout out to Claudio and the people at my LGS because I, when I originally was, uh, when um, uh, Jeffy's Hobbyist came forward and was like, yo, you want to be part of this? I was like, uh, I'm pretty bad at this stuff. I don't really know. Because, <laughs> like, I thought Oko was bad. I thought Hogak was bad. So I was like, mm, maybe I'm not the person for this. But they were like, nah it's probably not that hard for the set and i was like and as soon as we started diving in i felt a lot more comfortable yeah. and uh, i talked with claudio and harry 13 and mm-hmm. Otterhouse about this episode and or, or about the cards and they really gave me a lot of insight and yeah. opened my mind to a lot of different cards kevin will tell you i'm All the right, king excellent. of so we were getting a <laughs> wealth of knowledge coming in Thank you so much for being on the show, though. We really appreciate you joining us. We feel like you added a lot of insight, and we always like to have um, you know guests and people from the community jumping onto the show. So thank you one more time uh, from all of us here at the First Pioneers Podcast. Uh, so that's going to wrap up our show. Thank you guys for listening. We are the First Pioneers Podcast. We look forward to being your go-to source for Pioneer information online. 
Uh, what are we saying this time, Ryan? Are we slipping out? No, no, no. We are seeing you on the frontier. We're seeing you on the frontier. I don't know how I feel about that. We're Maybe we're just going to say we're bouncing out. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Yep. Bye-bye.